Yo, and then um, I had no one to wrap my hands. He doesn't know how to wrap hands. Mayweather's aunt was wrapping my hands. What? Yeah, she was there. She's like, I never wrap nobody's hands. She was a nurse. And uh, sometimes I do like an ugly win. And ugly wins, right? And it's like, oh, it's messy. It was this, but I won. Yeah. Gotcha. So she's like, listen, a win forget is a about win. the ugly win, all right? An ugly win is better than a beautiful loss. What up, what up, folks? What's going on? Welcome to the Spun Today podcast, the podcast that is anchored in writing, but unlimited in scope. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz, and I appreciate you listening. This is episode 187 of the Spun Today podcast, and in this episode, I got to sit down and chop it up with my longtime good friend, Jose De La Rosa. Jose is a Golden Gloves champion who has won both first and second place in separate Golden Gloves tournaments. He's a New York firefighter. Shout out to the FDNY, New York's bravest, and he's a fitness aficionado. It was really dope that I got to see him after so many years and just speak about all these different facets of his life. I really enjoyed the conversation, and I know you guys will as well. I met Jose in junior high school, met him in eighth grade. That was back in, fuck, 1990s, 94, 95, 96, around there. We both went to junior high school 210. Shout out Elizabeth Blackwell, junior high school. And then we also both went to Richmond Hill High School after that. And we were always cool. I think initially we probably bonded around like both being Dominican. And something I always remembered from Jose from back then was his laugh. He has like this infectious laugh that, you know, the type of laugh that when somebody starts laughing, you, you start laughing, whether you think whatever they're laughing at is funny or not just based on how their laugh sounds because their laugh just makes you laugh he has like one of those laughs and something else i remember from back then which i hope i'm not misremembering but i forgot to ask him if he's still into this or not but he used to draw like really well also for some reason i have like memories of him drawing like homer and like simpsons characters and stuff in class and again i could be misremembering but i don't think i am Either way, it's so dope, and we touched on this in the beginning of the episode as well, to be able to like reconnect with people that in another time you would maybe never even see again. But because of the advent of like social media and how connected we all are, it's kind of sort of like you keep a pulse on people that are like within your orbit, whether you speak to them every day or not, whether you go like years without seeing them. So you kind of have like that option to like reach out and speak to someone that you otherwise, you know, wouldn't be able to because you don't know, like, where they are, where they live, their numbers. And we've always definitely kept that connection. But it was dope to, you know, get to see him in person and just sit down and and chop it up for a bit. We speak about his journey through the Golden Gloves, which, for those of you who don't know, the Golden Gloves is an amateur boxing tournament that started on March 28th, my father's birthday, by the way, March 28th, 1927. It's been around for decades. It's considered like, like Jose uh, broke it down during the episode. There are other boxing tournaments uh, within the country here in the U.S., like the Metro and there's like regional or like local tournaments. But the Golden Gloves is like the cream of the crop of the amateur slash semi-pro scene within boxing. And I'm sure you guys like me 
have definitely heard that term before, like in terms of like in movies or TV shows, like, oh, he's a Golden Gloves champion. And each state has their own Golden Gloves tournament. But the New York, and this is according to some research research that I found online on uh, like Wikipedia, I believe, the New York Golden Gloves, as well as the Chicago Golden Gloves were considered to be like the most elite of each. And I'm not sure if that's still the case or not. But because of that, it always like brew up this like rivalry between the two. Now, originally it was sponsored and the idea itself for this amateur tournament was created by the New York Daily News, which for those of you outside of New York is a daily New York newspaper, in case you couldn't piece it together from the name New York Daily News. (laughs) And it was created by the then editor as a way to sell more papers by giving them something to cover within sports during the winter months. Just think, think about it back then, 1927, like there was no, like TVs weren't ubiquitous. Were there even TVs? I guess there probably was. I don't, I don't even know when TVs came out, but they definitely weren't ubiquitous. They weren't in everybody's household. If they even did exist, physical newspapers were your source for information, entertainment, sports, etc. The radio probably. But that's how it came about. And then different sponsors from, you know, the different regions eventually got involved, like the Chicago Tribune in Chicago. And the tournament ran for decades and garnered so much attention, like the championship takes place in Madison Square Garden. At least it did up to a certain point. Now it's at the Barclays Center, at least for here in New York. But it became like so big and so much like fanfare and attention that it became like too expensive for the daily news itself to like sponsor and no longer became feasible because you know now people have tvs and physical paper sales is not as prevalent and people get the information like from the internet and stuff like that so somewhere along the line the the golden gloves of america inc was formed and now they run the show so that's just a little background on the golden gloves we spoke about jose becoming a firefighter obviously again shout out to new york's bravest thank you so much for your service and he broke down a ton, like what their their version of like basic training is like and the academy, going through the academy and how he balanced his fighting career with becoming a firefighter because he was all in on boxing, as I imagine you have to be if you rise to that rank of becoming a champion. And he was working part time as a doorman so that he has enough money to like pay his bills and stuff like that, but also has the freedom to focus his total attention on training and boxing. But at one point he did go with a friend of his and, you know, fill out like the application and stuff like that for the FDNY. And, and he tells us about that story and he wasn't even like waiting on it. Cause again, he was single-mindedly focused on boxing, but the letter eventually came and he had to make a transition and try to balance the two worlds. So we get into that. We get into like what they do day to day, like firemen. Cause like I told them in the episode, um, I think that most people, myself included, have like this image of firefighters in their heads that that's like, you know, they fight fighter, they fight fire, sure. Like whenever there's a fire, but I, I never see fires. So they must be just like chilling, hanging out and playing cards and shit. Like we see in the movies, like normally day to day. But that's, 100% bullshit. Like they do so much day to day and they have calls daily, which we as like the citizenship, I guess, like take for granted. But so much goes into them being able to do their jobs properly in terms of like the fighting of fires and stuff like that. There's so much preparation 
that goes into them being able to do that, such as like building inspections, which are constant, fire hydrant inspections, which are which are also constant. Which I, I didn't know fire hydrants could like freeze. They could like not have water. They have to like work on all that shit so that when they do go to a fire, they don't hook up to a fire hydrant that doesn't have water. You know what I mean? Constant trainings, updating databases with information of different buildings and how they're made up, and you know from their like business in- inspections. I'm sorry, building inspections. They'll say, okay, this building at this address, you know, input it into the system. It has two elevators. It's you know this square footage. It's they have a fire escape in the back they have cell towers on the roof so that impacts the the weight capacity of the building etc etc so let's say if there is a fire on in said building and they're heading towards it they'll put it into the database and they'll have like this blueprint and like breakdown of the full building at their disposal which again only happens if they're doing their day-to-days correctly you know what i mean and putting in that work that preparation work which is kind of similar in a way to like training right as a boxer like you are able to execute and do your your job properly as a boxer based on how much effort and training you put in beforehand so it's a a pretty cool parallel that just jumped in my head we also speak about a ton about fitness jose is like shredded ripped (laughs) and i i call him the dominican david goggins and he's told me that other folks have called him that as well. So it's definitely not an original thought. But fitness has been a huge part of his life and continues to be. And you can check out Jose's Instagram at Dr. Fists, spelled D-O-C-T-O-R-F-I-S-T-S, Dr. Fists. On Instagram, he puts up a bunch of like workout challenges. He puts up like workout videos of himself, like showing you like how to do the actual exercises with like motivational anecdotes and so much more. Definitely check it out. And during this episode, I feel like we could have spoken a lot more about boxing. We could have spoken a lot more about firefighting. We could have spoken a lot more about fitness. We're definitely going to sit down again in the future. And there there were other things we touched on after we finished recording, which was just fascinating, like him managing a music artist for some time. So we're definitely, definitely going to sit down again in the future and have another conversation. But I just wanted to say again, Jose, thank you very much for doing this. And for the folks listening, stick around because it's truly a great episode. But before we get into it, here is a quick way that you can help support the Spun Today podcast if you so choose. You can support the Spun Today podcast by going to spuntoday.com forward slash support. There you'll find my merch section where you can cop the iconic podcasts versus anybody t-shirt in a wide variety of different colors in all different sizes. Also, if you're into cycling, you can cop the super soft, comfortable, minimalist design Spun Today Bike Club t-shirt. Also available in a bunch of different colors in all different sizes. There are a few other designs of different types of t-shirts. Definitely go there and check it out. SpunToday.com forward slash support. It's the merch section where you can also get a dope coffee mug. I have coffee mugs with the brand new redesigned Spun Today logo on one side and the tagline that I end every show with on the other, which is start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. The mug is available in both black and white because we don't discriminate here at the Spun Today podcast. Again, go to spuntoday.com forward slash support and check out the merch section. What's up, Spun Today listeners? Today, we have an absolute treat on the show. I'm happy to say Mr. Jose De La Rosa, longtime friend of mine, many, many years. We were just reminiscing a bit before hitting record. 
I've known him since junior high, eighth grade, Mr. Setron's class. Shout out to 804. <laughs> uh, we're going to get into a lot during this episode, hopefully, but first and foremost, I uh, just want to say thank you very much, Jose, for doing this. I really appreciate it. And it's awesome to have you, man. Oh, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Shoot. All right, man. So uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to speak about this in the intro. Uh, before we get into the episode, but Jose is a firefighter. He's like the Dominican David Goggins, I call him. He's like super into fitness. He was a Golden Gloves boxer. And uh, we're going to get into all of that. But first, I want to touch on what happened after high school. Because we met in junior high, 804. Uh, shout out to 210. <laughs> and uh, then we both went to Richmond Hill High School. Uh, we were just like even talking and reminiscing about like 9-11 happened while we were juniors in high school. We kind of like, you know, everybody like loses touch after after high school, after 2002 when we graduated. People, you know, go off and, you know, life gets in the way. You know what I mean? People go to college. People start jobs. People start families. And, you know, people drift apart. Um, but thankfully, because of things like social media, you're able to like sort of kind of keep in touch with people and reconnect and stuff like that. And uh, that's the case with us. But I have no idea what happened to you after high school. <laughs> so, and I definitely want to get into like your journey and how you got into boxing and then FDNY and then you know fitness. Obviously, has been a part, like a through line through all of that for you because obviously yeah. you're like super fit. But you also have to be fit to be a boxer. Me Mahino, you have to be fit to be a firefighter, yeah. or at least it helps yeah, <laughs> not it to be like help. the, the yeah. fat firefighter in the back. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, but yeah, man. How was life after high school? So, I remember after high school, high school was uh, was good, but I was also working a lot during high school. And then after high school, it was just work, work, work. Like, uh, what what did you do during high school? Like, so I was working like let's say on on Fridays, I would go and work at Rooster on the Bay, where uh, I think Rooster on the Bay will get all the uh, teenagers or high schoolers to go in there and get yeah, uh, yeah. hours in. Especially from the era. Like, for folks that don't know, that are listening to the Roosters on the Bay, is like a, a catering, uh, like a famous catering, like, hall place, like, here in Queens. So, I remember, like, on Fridays, uh, I started liking cars, right? I started love, like, imports. So, on Fridays, I would, right after school, I'll go to... Bruce on the Bay. At, at that time, it wasn't like hourly rates. It was like, yo, you work and it's fifty dollars a party, no matter how many hours you worked. So, I work like five p.m. on a Friday to like three in the morning, and then wake up around nine a.m. to be at work on Saturday. Uh, I think it was eleven. Eleven a.m. You had to be at work on Saturday, and then you do a double, and you wouldn't get out to three in the morning on Saturday, and then you wake up on Sunday again to work another double and you wouldn't get out to like usually the parties end like uh, earlier because you'll be out around one because they knew it was Monday and then on Monday you go back to school bro I had from I had a very similar experience but not not at Russo's obviously I know Steven worked at Russo's for yeah. some time too I worked at uh, a restaurant like doing the same shit basically like like busboy um, waiter. Eventually, by the time I left, the, the like they were letting me like bartend because yeah. here in New York, you can you can serve drinks at eighteen. You don't have to be twenty one. Yeah. And but yeah, when I it was it, it was like a small restaurant bar, um, like a, a mom and pop like spot. So yeah, when I was like sixteen, seventeen, like I, I had a little peach fuzz. I looked yeah. a little older, so they would let me like bartend and shit. <laughs> yeah, let them do it. <laughs> but it was like the same thing after school. So, uh, you know, go home, shower, change, put on the white shirt, black pants, yeah. go to work. 
and I would get out like late one two in the morning. The next day, do a double, and then on Sunday, same thing. Yeah. And sometimes I would pick up like a Monday shift, like after work. So I was like on that same grind. So I, I get exactly what you mean. Man. Yeah, man. And all I would do would be save my money to try to get a car. So once I graduated high school, got my first car. That was my first car. What you get? I got an Acura Integra. Me too, dude. <laughs> Bro. That was my, my fucking favorite. I can't believe you were into that, too. Yeah, That's yeah. Insane. That was around, um, like, when the Fast and the Furious oh, movie started yeah, coming dude. out. It made me want to buy every, like, uh, auto part that was yeah. out there. <laughs> like I want the intake, intake. I, I the want exhaust. the headers, I want <laughs> yeah. the exhaust, I want the turbo. Get the, the computer with the chip. Like. <laughs> Bro. I wasted so much money. I, I oh blew everything I ever had, like, on... on I had a 96 LS. Oh, dude, yeah. I had a 93, so you outdid me. <laughs> Bro, but nah, I, I fucking wrapped it around the telephone pole once. Oh, with man. Me, me and my mom in the car. Oh, my goodness. Fucking, the scariest shit. It was on, on Bushwick by, like, where that car wash and cemetery is. Yeah, up yeah. There in, know, on, yeah. On Bushwick. Like, getting out the Jackie Robinson, and there was, like, a, a van, like, next to me at the red light. We pull off, and then I got in front of him, but he hit me in the back. Yeah. We fucking spin, hit a light pole, a the van. Yeah. And completely totaled the car. Oh. Then after that, I was still going to be so that. Yeah. Like the, I want another the, one. Yeah. <laughs> then I got a, uh, I remember it was a salvaged uh, 95 GSR, but no interior. Like literally no rug, no nothing. Nothing. Pero I had bought, because um, the LS was like the base model. I don't remember mm-hmm. like what it was, but it was like cloth or whatever inside. Yeah. I had saved up to buy um like gray leather interior or whatever so i had all the interior but i hadn't put it in the car yet <laughs> and then i crashed that car so uh, when i found the gsr like at least i had the interior already oh yeah you just yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> bro and then after that like literally after i finished like hooking up the car like i always wanted like for years or whatever yeah. like i was like sick of it and oh like, yeah i wound up like selling it <laughs> ah so my first one too i wrapped it on freaking on pennsylvania avenue in erskine right around ah, there oh uh, i don't oh, even the, know how my line Damn. I don't even know how I'm alive. Like, it was so bad. Everyone the next day came over to my parents' house, and they were like, oh, my God. You know, they all thought I was dead. It wow. was that bad. They didn't, I don't even know how the car didn't explode. Damn. It was that. And there was no airbags back then. There yeah. was, like, nothing. <laughs> it was, uh, I, I don't know how it happened, but. It was, like, with another car, or, like, you hit the wall? So, it was kind of, you know what it was? It was kind of drifting, because it was raining. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I guess another car might have just, like, fishtailed me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe I I was young, so maybe I was trying to do a turn or, or change lane when it was too early. True. So maybe I clipped him or he clipped me, whatever it was. You know, there's some people that want to pull up a little faster, like, this guy's not getting in my lane. Yeah, exactly. And then he might have just clipped me. But either way, it was just going, like, I say maybe half a mile I was trying to control it. And they didn't have power steering back then, you know, nah, none of that. So yeah. the wheel just completely took my hands and just turned it like 360. I went straight to the, to the, to the line. Fuck. Like the, it was bad. I don't know, like, the gas tank was on the other side of, 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 of the car. Like, it was just insane. Wow. And after that, then, like you said, I saved for another GSR. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and then that got robbed in, like, six months. You serious? Right in front of my house. Wow. People must have been looking at me or whatever because they knew every Wednesday I go to, I go to college. And then on Wednesday around 6.30 p.m. when I was in college... They came right in front of my house, took my car. Fuck. Dude. And Bro. then I got another one. Damn, you serious? Oh, my God. It <laughs> before, was, before, it was that, like... <laughs> before you tell me the third one, um, I remember, because that, that reminds me, like, like cars getting like stolen and stuff. Mm-hmm. 
it was like so big. It, it's probably big now, but como like we're not in that mundo or whatever. Yeah. Like we don't like notice it maybe. Yeah. But I, I remember that used to happen left and right. Like people's like rims get stolen or or their cars get broken into. Just for the motor or whatever it was. Exactly. Yeah. And um I remember one of the I remember the club was big back then. <laughs> there was another one that we used to put like on the on the pedal, like a club but for the Yo, pedal. Yeah, yeah, or, like for the that. for the clutch for the or clutch. something. And um, the multi lock. I had a multi lock, like a like a padlock. It was a multi lock. I used to do the padlock too. Under yeah. under the steering column. Under the steering right? column. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the multi lock was where you uh, change gears, so it wouldn't be able to. So no one would be able to change the gears. Oh right, yeah. right. That you like put it in like yeah. In, like, it wouldn't be able to change or reverse or something that lock it in. It turns out that they must have I guess cut my uh, my shifter and then just be shifting with their two fingers. Wow. Whatever it was, but they got away with it. Fuck man. Yeah. And you never got the car back or nothing? Never got it back. Shit. That's crazy. So and after, then after that, you got a third one? And then I got a third one, dude. Uh, <laughs> no no motor. Or? Yeah, no motor. No, I got the, yeah, GSR body. Nice. No motor. And then it took me for, it took me like maybe four years because my first motor that I bought, it uh, came back and the mechanic broke it. Fuck. But he says he didn't break it. And now you have, like, this is my, my father's friend's mechanic. So now you can't be like, you, son of, yeah. you know, you freaking messed up my motor. So I had to get another motor. Yeah. You know, I was working for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. But, like, that is kind of like, um, like, the beauty of being, like, a kid, too. Mm-hmm. Like, a like young kid without, like, too many responsibilities. Like, you can have, like, a passion like that and, like, yeah. pour everything into it. And it's completely unreasonable. It doesn't make sense, like, yeah. from, you know, looking back at it. But at the same time, like, I wouldn't change it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, me either. Me going either. to the races and yeah. flat lines oh, yeah. and stuff oh, like yeah. that. And, like, it was fucking like exhilarating. It was. It was, <laughs> you know, it was like good so times. Yeah, when I had the GSR, I will. Uh, no, when I had this one, I put a Type R motor in it, Damn. and then I go to the Erskine races. Yeah, yeah. And there was times that you know that I I felt the adrenaline, like yeah, this is what yeah. it feels like to win a freaking race, <laughs> bro. I was I was always like too pussy to actually race. Yeah, like, no, which, like, I raced a couple stuff. of times. I raced with like my my boy Noel, like mm-hmm. like yeah. we were, like good friends, or whatever. He had a I remember he had a like a Civic Coupe or whatever. Yeah, I would race him or or like you remember Miguel from high school. Yeah, the yeah. Columbia Miguel, yeah, like yeah. him, he would always like go or Esrin and yeah. stuff like that. I would like race with them, but <laughs> if it was like a stranger, strangers that I didn't know, like mm-hmm. I, I would never do it. And and I even only raced them like maybe three or four times like yeah. in a quarter mile type of yeah. thing. You know? <laughs> and like our thing was more like like in the highway, you yeah. know, like like driving like yeah. that, cutting people off and stuff like that. Like that was like the the fun thing yeah. or whatever. But nah, yeah. man, I did a couple of races at Erskine. Nice. I did a couple of races like in uh, Greenpoint. Oh, I remember Greenpoint yeah, too. Yeah, Greenpoint. And uh, it was it was exhilarating when you go, and then sometimes the cops will come and they're yeah. just trying to block. That was like the, the funnest shit. part. Yeah, <laughs> Oh, everybody did. <laughs> yeah. That was, so it, it was, I love that car. I can't yeah. freaking say, oh, I didn't enjoy it, even if True. it was taking all my cash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so then, I started working extra, extra freaking jobs. I was doing catering at Russo's, catering like uh, in, in some other like independent, like, like people that would just take all their food and everything to a certain hall that they rent for the night. Nice. I started doing um, doorman on the summers just to get more parts. It nice. was like all of it was into the car at the yeah, time. Yeah. And, then, and then like 2004, it was like I calmed down. It was like I calmed down. I was also going to school, like in college all these times. Too, Where, working where'd, all you, these where'd jobs. you go to school? City Tech. Nice. I went to City Tech. And uh, so I was doing full-time college. 
and then like four or five jobs at a time. This is why I lost my hair. I started losing yeah. my hair. Right? <laughs> I started losing my hair like at 20, 19, 20. It Damn. was crazy. I started losing it young too. Yeah. I'm still, I'm, I'm still like yeah, fighting you it. still have. Uh, <laughs> let me get some. Shoot. Remember, you, you used to have like that thick, you used to have braids even in high I school. Had I braids, remember. everything. But you had like that thick, like yeah. John Stamos hair. <laughs> like Uncle Jesse. <laughs> Word. Oh, man. And then, um, after like a certain time in college, I just I didn't want to do it anymore. It was funny because I I left three credits short. Damn. And it's funny I was doing programming. Ah, and like shit. we were talking earlier, I was doing programming. Then I left it with three credits short, and I just became a doorman. So I became a doorman from like 2005 till 2000. I say 13. And during that time, like. I guess like before then you were you were doing college, but you were also like you had the hobby with the cars and like stuff like that. During that time, were you into like anything else, or you uh, were just like during that uh, time? Of school? course, fitness, man. Uh-huh. You know, I would always do my my calisthenics, and even though you know drinking and everything, I still be into the calisthenics and all that. And at 24, 24 years old, I started really, really wanting to do uh, something that I can show my competitiveness as. Uh, you know, in my fitness, and that's when I started boxing at 24. Nice. Yeah, okay. I started boxing a little here and there, like just to learn it. And from there, like now, I was doing doorman boxing, still working here and there. I was doing uh, catering halls here and there. Besides, like all these things that are going on, I was trying to have fun. True. I'm just trying to have fun. <laughs> and when you got into, uh, just to go back to like the fitness part, was that that was just something that. Like, do you remember, like, why you got into fitness or, like, was it, like, okay. So, tell me about yeah, that. Yeah, I did. So, <laughs> I got good point. Yeah, of course. So, I remember uh, it all started, like, in DR, dude. When I was, like, five years old. In DR, I was, like, babied. I was babied and uh, my uncles. Like, in DR when you went for vacation or you lived there? No, I lived there. I was born in DR. You serious? Yeah, I was oh, born shit, in DR. I, I wasn't even born here. And. Uh, Cheers. My Shout mom was there. Yeah, salute. She'll baby me like out of everybody. So my uncles, they'll bully me, push me around, make fun of me. Yeah. So I, I was trying like, to like toughen yeah. you up. I was like a crybaby then, you know. She always uh, babied me, and I remember there was it got to a certain point that I, you know how when you get really angry, you cry, but you really angry. It's yeah, like yeah. it makes you cry. It's like angry tears. Yeah. And I remember saying like, you know, and I'm it's gonna, just like an outpouring of emotion, like, like oh. <laughs> And then I was like, I'm going to be one of the strongest kids ever. No one's going to bully me. <laughs> like, nice. I just, it started going off. And I remember, like, in DR, um, the way you make, like, weights or, like, a barbell. Like, cinder blocks and shit? Uh, yeah, so it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, like, a, a PCP pipe, like a tube. Mm. And then you put, like, uh, like, paint cans and you fill it up with cement. Damn. That's what it was. And so I was, like, five, six years old. I started like benching these things I'll bench it like one time or sometimes no one's around it was just me ah, yeah you know just trying my hardest whatever like I'll get angry when I wow. push it too and that's how basically you know I told myself at that age like I'm tired of being bullied around or whatever and nice I still cry though whenever they pick <laughs> on me but they get so angry you know yeah but it was like a good like self motivator at the same yeah, time yeah it right? was it was and from there it was like from I would do uh, I always do calisthenics I always do all, all these things just to not get bullied, to be strong. And where did you, because yeah, like around that age, it's like, like where did you like learn like 
what's a push up, what's a sit up. You know what I mean? It's not like now you could just like YouTube it, or, yeah, yeah, or whatever, no. or maybe you saw on TV. Like, do you remember like how you learned? Yeah, no, over there it would be just more like I look at what they were doing, okay, and then I do what they were doing. Gotcha. So okay. it was like look and do, see and yeah, do, yeah. you know. And that's all I was doing over there. So all throughout, like, since you were a kid, so that was always, like, part of, like, your, your ethos, part of your, like, mentality of, like, being fit, yeah. and, like, a bullied, and, like, stuff Just, like that. I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be bullied anymore. Yeah, yeah. Or I don't want to be, uh, you know, I want to be strong. Right. And, all right, so now you're so now, yeah, a we, doorman. So when I came to, when I came uh. to uh, New York, then I, uh, it was, like, 91. In 91, it was... Uh, I started watching like movies. It was eight years old. All these movies that were out, you know, they were all about, especially at that time, it was all about fighting. It was all about Bruce Lee. It was all about Van Damme. Yeah. yeah. All these Blood things. Bloodsport. Yeah, and like Bloodsport. So- uh, the Kumite. <laughs> I know there was this movie, The Last Dragon, with Bruce Leroy. Yeah, oh, I remember that. Yes. Leroy. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> they had um, Chuck Norris used to be doing all these like crazy shooting and fighting movies. It was. All that made me feel like, oh, yeah, I want to do these yeah, things. Yeah. I want to do these things. And I would cry, like, I'm telling my mom, oh, put me in karate, put me in this. I think at 10 years old, while the Boys and Girls Club was still just a boys club, mm-hmm. they had, like, a taekwondo. And I cried my eyes out, put me, because my little, my little brother, David, he was in this. I was like, please put me in, please put me in. Damn. Ah! <laughs> still crying, but I wanted to do it, you yeah. know? And um, they put me in, but they never, like, I never took the test. I think you had to pay for the test or whatever. Oh, okay, okay. So I was a white belt forever. Damn. <laughs> but after that, it was like, uh, it just kept going. Like, I just wanted to be more fit. I wanted to do... Gotcha. So it was always like a part of your mentality. Yeah, it was always just there. Damn, that's dope. Looking back, you gotta like, thank your, your uncles in a way for being, yeah. <laughs> being dicks yeah. and like bullying you. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so now, like moving forward to your... So you, you left college 2003-ish. Or th- no, not 2003. 2002-ish. 2002-ish, okay. <laughs> and then um, uh, you're doing the doorman thing, but you're still like staying fit, exercising, stuff like yeah. that. And how'd you transition from that to like boxing? Like what was your first like... Yeah. So even before I left high school, like I wanted to be in the basketball team. I think I was in JV basketball in nice. high school for a little bit, you know. You I know, remember Mr. Cody. He was like the, the JV uh, basketball coach. Not, not to cut you off. Um... That was something that I always regretted. Like, I always wanted to, like, try out. Like, I love playing basketball, like, mm-hmm. at gym or, like, after school and stuff. And, yeah. and, like, pick up games, like, in the street, like, whatever. Yeah. But I was always, like, too scared to, yeah. like, try out for the team. You know yeah. what I mean? And that's something that I always regret. Like, looking back, I'm like, fuck, why didn't I just, you know what I mean? Like, I knew, like, you, Louis, yeah. Louis Dominican Louis. Yeah, Dominican Louis, a blue. And a few other, Adam, um, like, a few other people that were on the team. Tyrone was in Yeah, Tyrone, yeah. Yeah, I remember. I still remember. He, he, I remember when he signed my my yearbook he was like um remember me when i'm in in the nba whatever he put his jersey number that's funny <laughs> and um i was like like why did it like I, I don't know what it was but i was like scared of or like socially awkward no, kind of but you know what it's I mean? a fear it was like weird and yeah. i had that fear too it's yeah. like i've had it so many times it's a fear that you know what if i don't make the shots what if i make a mistake or what if people are looking at me everyone mm-hmm. has these fears it's just at that age, if you don't have someone to actually push you or someone that you actually admire that's doing it, you're not going to do it. Cause sure. You're not going to have the, the, the oomph to actually just... Like that like, insecurity yeah. just like takes over and you're yep. like, oh, fuck it. Yeah, yeah, so that happens to a lot of us. And then I didn't even make it that far in JV. But um, 
I wanted to be in basketball, and then I wanted to be in, in football. My friends in Adams, they were all, like, football guys. So I was going to transfer to Adams. Damn. And they were like, you're too small, you know, don't even transfer. <laughs> You'd be like Rudy. Yeah, basically. I was, remember how little I was in, in yeah. high school, dude? I was, I was tiny. They were like, don't even transfer. And basketball, I was very little, too. It was it was funny because I always go and work out with with the guys from. They became like real good friends through my other brothers. The they're called the Bustamantes. They would be like uh, into basketball, into football. You know, they were football players in Adams and in college. Nice. And I always go work out with them and play football with them. Like on, you know how you always have football in in Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone always goes and plays, or whenever it snowed, everyone went and played. True. So I wanted to be football, football, something, and. It seems like you always gravitated towards like that camaraderie of like yeah. sportsmanship and yeah. It's it's a competitiveness, I think. True. I think you like the competitiveness of it. It's like I'm gonna be better than this guy. This guy can't beat oh, me. Okay, okay. So that's what it was like yeah. for you. I think that's what it came from the little from this little, right? Yeah, like, yeah. ah, you know, I'm gonna be strong, I'm gonna be this. And whenever they did something, I wanted to play, I wanted to be in it. They wanted to work out, I wanted to be in it. So I remember like fifteen, sixteen, my 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 brother had gotten like some gloves. And we started uh, like just play fighting in, in the garage, and I remember I was hitting people and they were throwing up and like boxing, boxing, boxing gloves? yeah, oh, okay, boxing okay. gloves. And I was hitting people; they were throwing up and everything. Damn. They were like, "Oh man, this kid! <laughs> and these are like big, like eighteen ounce gloves, you know." And I started liking it, and uh, that was like at fifteen, sixteen. And I was like, "Oh, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to box. I want to box." Pr- and my parents wouldn't let me. Yeah. Yeah. Prior to that, were you ever like a boxing fan, or this was just like a random thing that happened? Your brother got some gloves somewhere, and you guys put it on and started hitting each other. You know what? Like in in the eighty, like uh, not eighties, like in the nineties, you always see the fights with Tyson. The Tyson area. My father. The like fifteen second fights. (laughs) They love. He loved watching uh, like boxing fights, and I'll sit there watching Julio uh, Julio Cesar Chavez, Camacho, Prince Nassim. Damn. So it was probably in the back of my head. It was just it never came forward until that point. Gotcha. And then he he bought those uh he brought those those boxing gloves in and I was like yeah I want to do this. Damn. And was your brother like into boxing like or it's just something not that really. just randomly? Yeah. Okay. Not, who knows if wow. maybe he was right? But yeah. I never got into that conversation with him. Were you into boxing? Gotcha. Maybe it was just in there since I was little. Yeah. But it was good because at, at a point it was like there's a lot of times that I'll be on a game like a basketball game and someone gets tired, and or a football game and someone missed a catch. Or whatever it was, you know, if we're doing a, a race, someone gets tired and they didn't go the whole way. And I was like, damn, we didn't win. Or handball told me. I used to love playing handball, remember? Damn, handball, I remember you used wow, to love I handball. Forgot that sport. <laughs> wow. Even in Hell, junior yeah, I remember high school, that. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. In junior high school, it was who was keen of the court. <laughs> That's crazy. And it was like, oh man, my, my partner messed up. So we lost. Gotcha. You get me? So. In boxing, it's not your partner messed up. It's, it's not you. your partner got tired. It's not, oh, this guy didn't do this correct. It's all you, so you can't really blame someone else. I'm, unless I'm, I'm unless with, you have a crappy code. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I'm, I'm with you 100% from that. And what I, what I like from that is like the, like the sense of like accountability. Because I, I relate that, like what you just said, to like writing and stuff. Like if I write a story that somebody reads and like they don't like or whatever, like I only have myself to blame. You know yeah. what I mean? Like if I'm never, I'm, I'm working on like any piece that I, that I'm a, a short story, a book or whatever. Like I I see that as like me versus me and like me trying to get better. Like with each and every occurrence. Like I know I'm not the first fucking story that I write. I'm not yeah. gonna be fucking 
you know, Shakespeare yeah, and Poe yeah. or whoever, you know. Um, but the goal is to like improve and keep at it and keep doing it. And then at the end, I want to, you know, be like a quote unquote great. Yeah. But at the same time, it, that like that validation to me doesn't have to come like from the outside, although yes, it would sir. be fucking great. But as long as I'm like, I gave this shit my all. I, I know where I started. I know where I ended. And where I ended is way better than where I started. Like, that's the goal. Yeah. Like, I want to have that, like, when I look back. Yeah. So, like, I definitely, like, agree with you and get what you mean by, you know, it's, like, you versus you. And, yeah. you know, you only have yourself that you can blame, like, if you, like, fuck up or whatever. So That's, that's dope because I think that's how everything is in life. And even against you, like, even if you do become great, you're going to be like, well, now what? You're gonna put another exactly. level where you're like, I gotta be better. So that's the thing. Like a lot of people don't see that. It's like even if you become the greatest ever, now what? Yeah, it's you like, can't just like be satisfied with that. Like, what's next? What's like, next what's after for that? you? Because yeah. it's you versus you, not you versus everybody else. Exactly. It's like what is the next best thing for me? It's like people talk about you know Jordan. He's the best in basketball. He's like, all right, now that I'm the best in basketball in this. I really think he went to baseball because he was like, yo, can Let I try to do this? Yeah. yeah. Can I do this? <laughs> then he's golfing. Yeah. And he's like, yo, so what else? Like, oh, you yeah. know, it's always just you versus you. Yeah. And if you could see that, you know, if everybody could see that, they'll, they'll just push to be the best at everything that they try. True. So, it was... So now, you're wearing the gloves in the garage, you're punching people, making them throw up. You want to do boxing, but your parents don't want you to. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I want to I box. And like, how old are you roughly around this time? So I'd say around 16, 17. Okay. I can only imagine if I would have started at 16, 17. Yeah. So I remember uh, I would have thought my father would be happy because he loved boxing. Mm-hmm. Every fight he watched. Every fight. He, Friday night fights. All these. He would just sit in the couch watching fights. Damn. So I thought he would have been happy or whatever. Like, yo, hell yeah, let's do it. And then my mom wasn't, like, he wasn't that happy about it. Oh, Dominicans aren't good at fighting. Oh, Dominican. What Dominican have you seen Damn. that is good at boxing? So it was like, oh, you know, I pushed it to the side, but I kept working out or whatever. But I remember around 23 around there, it was like 2006, I was like, I was working as a doorman, and then there was a gym, right? So it was right on the corner on 32nd in Madison. It was Mendez Boxing. Uh, Rest his soul, you know, he passed away uh, last year. He, um, He had a gym there. It was like a little hole in the wall. But after work, I remember I went to his gym. I signed up. Like like Mickey's gym? Yeah, yeah basically. Yeah. yeah, it was just like that. Second floor. It was like a, a, a ring on the floor and nice. some bags. And it, it was just a hole in the wall. And I went. He, and when he signed up, he's like, what are you looking to do? And, and the thing. And I remember I, put, I remember saying, I want to be a pro fighter. And I was like, that was my thing. I wanted to be a pro fighter. And wow. little by little, I started... Every day, every day, every day, headed to the city, headed to the city, in the train, the train, the train. And that's how I started, like, loving boxing. It's just a, like a, a repetitive thing every day, every day, every day. And I wanted to be a pro fighter. Do you remember your, your like, first, like, after you signed up that first day, like, did you work out, like, that same day? Or the next day you went in? or? I worked out the same day. Nice. Yeah. You know, they're like, oh, all right, let's see what you got. They put me in the ring, and they just... Same way, like, now that I'm coaching, I tell everybody to do the same thing, that how I learn. Uh-huh. It's the best thing, right? And it would just go around the, the ring, throwing the jab. The jab oh, okay. The not, jab. like, sparring or anything. You no, just by yourself, yeah. like, going around, the, like, footwork learning how to throw the, Learning how to throw the punches. Nice. And you do that for, like, 12 minutes, just the jab. 
your arm is dead by the time you yeah, you made my hand. And then wow. it was jab right hand, jab right hand, and then after that, like, all right, you're good. And like, and do they, like, as you go, do you like? Oh no, way! You threw the jab too high, throw it straight, or of keep course, it tight. Of like, course. and you, yeah. they like tweak fixing it, it up, fixing gotcha, it up, gotcha. which is like, it's dope. That's it's awesome. like when you're writing. Oh no, this word doesn't fit here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I gotta put this word instead. Right, right. It's it had me since I I was nervous as hell. By the way, because you know I'm in the gym. Yeah, yeah. Boxing, like there's like all the people around boxing. Like, who's this new guy or whatever? Yeah. It's it's and I was nervous as hell. Like oh man, I look like a fool over here yeah. doing this thing over and over. But you just gotta like like I said before, like, you gotta push, push through, through it. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Because like many people though, like go through that even if they get to that point. Like after that first experience, they'll be like, "Ooh, fuck that! Yeah. All right, I did it! I did it! That's that's yeah. what I wanted. Yeah, <laughs> I'm good. I'm not gonna do it anymore." <laughs> I remember coming every day, every day, every day, and then like on Cinco de Mayo, he will have like a party. Everybody's drinking, eating tacos, and then they do sparring. This was my first sparring session ever with a guy named Dan. He was like a Wall Street guy. He was Man. basically like a Wall Street uh, gym, like you know the the uh, white collar. Uh huh. He was like uh, one of those types. Probably a douchebag. No, no, I mean like the okay. whole gym was the whole gym. No, Dan was cool, man. Okay, that okay. was very cool. My bad, yeah. Dan. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> no, the whole gym was more. That's what made him money, especially in Manhattan. You know, Thirty Second Madison is like a block away from, gotcha. from the Empire okay, okay. State. So the 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 white collar were the ones that gave him the the money to actually, you know, to be able to run to be the able gym. To run the like gym. Yeah. So he was a white collar guy, and I remember the first sparring session ever. I started doing amazing. You know, I was just doing all the combos and hit him with a couple of straight right hands. His nose exploded, dude. Damn. It was blood all over. <laughs> and is it like like headgear and everything at this time? Headgear. No? Okay. Headgear. It's always headgear, especially. And then you use 16-ounce gloves for sparring. You're not looking to, like, hurt someone. The the higher the ounce of the gloves, like, the harder it hits or the, the less? The softer. Oh, okay, So you okay, got okay. more padding. Gotcha. For the 16-ounce, it's, like, more padding. They got 18-ounce, which is even more padding. When when you fight normal, it's like what fourteen. So 12? when you fight amateurs, is uh is tens. Oh shit! And if you're over one hundred and fifty two pounds, then it's twelves. Damn. Okay. Yeah. So and then usually they have a lot of the weight in the front. So the way the gloves is is like the front of the glove it has more of the weight in the back because it has more padding in the front. Gotcha. And then. Uh, and then. So you busted his nose and then. Busted his nose. <laughs> It was blood everywhere, and the gloves, they cleaning him up, and we did, like, another two rounds. Wow. And it was great. And then from there, they were like, oh, this kid has something. <laughs> yeah. Yo, they were like, this And, like, kid. at that point, how long were you doing it, and how long was Dan doing it? So, Dan, I think, was doing it a little longer than me. It's just, he was more like a robot. You know, it's harder for some people to pick if you don't feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a times that you just, you see it as a mechanism. Like, you know, you do this. Uh, he's like a robot. Like you try and do it, and then sometimes you just you're more uh, f like like you flow with it. You flow more fluid. with it, yeah. You're better with it, and I don't know why, but I f you know maybe because I was always a little more athletic or whatever. I just flew like my flow was good with it. That's awesome. And you know you know what I what I what I just thought of like what I compare that to, and we were talking about like Rogan's podcast before this and stuff like that. The way that um, which made me want to, and I still think about it. Um, they do like um, uh, jujitsu and stuff. Yeah. In the future, the way um, like Eddie Bravo. Yeah. And Rogan, they speak about uh, jujitsu as like it's like a science, but there's like an art to it also. Yeah, of course. And there's some that are just like very scientific about it, and like 
one two one two one two one two yeah. and there's some that take it like an R and they, they could be like one five three yeah. two you know yeah. what I mean and yeah. like flow with the shit and, that's and like, how it those is. are like the best ones that's how it is I got you that's why I admire like Mayweather so much cause he's art it's not the way he fights it's art it's like gotcha. how he can be so close to an opponent and the opponent can't hit him yeah he does a side step and now the other guy goes flying somewhere else it's, it's an art he's like a hundred percent the best defensive boxer ever right would you say he's also like the best boxer ever or is that like not fair to say because like different weight classes different eras different i would think he is he has the best iq of the game me personally gotcha like, he knows he knows where he can be how how close he can be where to sidestep you know how to dodge how to counter punch it's he just knows the game so well. It's, it's insane. Like, you put him against heavier fighters. You put him against uh, harder punchers. And he's going to figure out a way how to do it, how to beat you. And, and that's all on, like, the IQ of the game. It's, he's, for me, is, like, number one. For me, is number one. That's, like, to me, um, I like boxing, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, I, obviously, as much about it as, like, you are. Like, I'm just, like, a very casual fan. But yeah. I'm more of a casual fan of like MMA and stuff and I see like Dominic Cruz in MMA like yeah. that like his fight IQ is like through the through yeah. the roof he knows everything but he has limitations in terms of like he's always getting hurt yeah. and like stuff like that he has like physical limitations but his fight IQ is like through the roof so you see that physical limitation I'm gonna mm-hmm. have to like say it right there because I, I read Bruce Lee books I have Bruce Lee books right nice. and it said he said it is the the fighter that has to know how to heal himself what he has physical limitations in and how to fix that is everything on the fighter. So it's like uh, it's like you see Mayweather again, right? Never drinks. Why? Sure. Because he knows that this is his. Uh, this is this is what he does. This is his money maker. This is his career. So he never drinks. Even if he's at a club, he's with a water bottle. He sure. works out certain things that he's missing on, right? So if he knows this guy is, is a boxer, he's gonna try to bully him. If he knows this guy is a fighter, he's gonna go around him. He's gonna, you know, da- like dance around him. By the way, the people tire say. him out. And yeah. Stuff. yeah, And it's it's the job of the fighter to know where his uh, his body's limitations are and fix that. Damn. So That's if you're awesome. injured as well, you should be able to know how to heal yourself the best way. And and probably try to like prevent getting injured in the first place and like work around that. Exactly. Like, Damn. Ex- That's it, a dope it, way to look yeah, at it. Yeah, it's dope, right? Bruce Lee's <laughs> oh, yeah. the man. <laughs> Shout out Bruce Lee. <laughs> So then, all right, let's go back to, so you, your first sparring session, you were Dan, you break his nose, yeah. and you, like, fall even more in love with it at that point. Oh, yeah. And, like, everybody around you, your coach, the coach or whatever. You, is feel, you feel like, uh, you know, when you have some uh, 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 chick, a uh, rooster, and they win, you're like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so now I'm, I'm all their rooster now. Like, yeah. I'm their rooster. It's the migajo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rooster. <laughs> That's a mad Dominican yeah, reference yeah. right there. And, yo, it, awesome. it, it fills you up with more energy inside to go even harder, even harder. And I remember he he got another gym after that. It was, like, on 26th and Broadway, bigger and everything. So he had one huge ring in the middle. And then when it was time to spar, everyone just stops working out. Oh, uh, and everybody and watches. look. Nice. That is nerve-wracking. <laughs> you mean my hand? Even if it's just a sparring session, you're like, oh, my God, everybody's going to look at me. I'm going to get yeah, beat yeah. up or whatever. <laughs> Luckily, the bathroom's always right there. You always had to take a good crap. Yeah. You, 
was nervous as hell, man. Oh man. And then I started doing good. With, I started doing good there too. Nice. And the only thing I didn't like about Mendes was that he knew the 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 game of boxing, like mm-hmm. the, the politics of it. So in amateur boxing is if you have ten fights or under, you're considered a novice fighter. Okay. No matter how many rounds you spar, and then if you have ten and up, then you have um you're considered open. So you can have eleven fights and fight someone that has experience of 120 fights. There's oh, no damn. that's it. It's over. There's like no no other like gap. There's no other boundary. No, there's oh, no sure. other limitation. It's just once you're over ten, you're done. Or if you win a major tournament, you're in the open. Okay. So, I remember in 2007, my first fight ever, like, not sparring, fight, was in the Golden Gloves. Damn. And it was... Uh, and real quick, because uh, I don't know this, is there... So, I, I guess, like, the Golden Gloves is not considered, like, pro, right? No. It's, it's like, like, like semi-pro. Amateur. Okay. It's amateur. But is there, like, other, other like leagues or something aside from the Golden Gloves? Yeah, they have, like, the metros. They have regular shows. Like, a regular show can be just a regular gym throwing a show, and it's still sanctioned, so it's considered an amateur fight. Gotcha, okay. But if it's not sanctioned, like, by USA Boxing Metro, and, you know, they got to have, like, EMS there in case someone gets hurt, they got to have um, judges, refs, everything. Right. And that's what it means to be sanctioned, right? Mm -hmm. Like, okay. Like, you have all those, like... um like people in place, like yeah. you have to have judges. You have to have. Is it? Is it's like a like external a regular requirements? Show, yeah. Like regulated in, mm-hmm. in like some way, but Golden Gloves is like the cream of the crop of that. Right? Golden Gloves is like the best tournament in New York. Gotcha. And then once you win, if you win, then you represent New York against all the other fifty states. And it's Golden Gloves is. Like, each state has their own golden gloves? Each state has their own golden gotcha. gloves. Gotcha, okay. And then the cream of the crop, one fighter from every weight division represents that state in the national golden gloves. Gotcha, yeah. okay, okay, okay. So I remember, like, well, when I get to, to the 2013, I'll say that story, but... All right. So going back to, so... My first golden glove first fight. Golden yeah, my first golden glove fight was, I think, in Long Island. It was just one-two. The only one that threw one-twos. Just one-two, one-two. It was my first fight ever. And I won. And you nice. get filled with like this. Ah. How, how did you win? It was decision. Like decision? decision. It's hard to knock out. You mean my, you know? Because like I said, like, you know, it has more, more padding in the front. Uh-huh. So they're trying to protect the fighters since, you know, we're kind of nuts, especially first the first 10 fights. You're really just in there like Adrenaline whoever has like, the most balls. Yeah, yeah. Whoever worked out the hardest. Because if you don't work out hard, then you're going to get tired. True. So it's like, ah, <laughs> everyone is going. How many, how many rounds is Golden Gloves? So if you're novice, under 10 fights, it's three two-minute rounds. Okay. And then at the time... If you were open, it was four two-minute rounds. Gotcha. That's in the, it, later, it later changed to three three-minute rounds. Okay. So it became even tougher. Gotcha. Because four two-minute rounds, eight minutes, and then, then it became nine minutes. So it was even crazier. Damn. And I remember after that fight, I was like, yeah, I went to the gym the next day, started training, training. When you win, you win the gym it the like next day. It motivates you even yeah, more. it motivates you. When you nice. win, you win the gym the next day. Automatic. Awesome. Or you go for a run and then the gym the next day. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> it went all the way, like, I went all the way to the semifinals in 2007. And how, how, many, how many fights is that to get to the semifinals? So I think it was five fights. The way it is, everyone cancels each other out. Mm-hmm. So I think it was a total of, there's always a total of 100 plus boxers in each weight class. 
Damn. And I think the Golden Gloves has like 2,000. At that time, it was like 2,000 fighters wow. in the tournament. So different weight classes, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we just paused it. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> just to let y'all know in case we don't continue in the straight, in the straight line exactly. But going back to... So Golden this, Gloves, yeah. semifinals, there's like 2,000 people in total, a bunch of different people for individual weight classes. You won five straight, so... Five straight. How... how oh, and I got to tell you a story about... Um, yes. Uh, Lewis, the twins. Okay. Because I remember I bumped into him randomly in a... I remember a Chase ATM, the one that's on... Wow. On... I think it like 115 in Jamaica or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Back when I when we were talking before when I used to do real estate full time, I used to like work right around there. And I bumped into him randomly and he told me of uh like a fight that you were having or something like that. Yeah. And oh, I, was this 2015? It was back back then sometime. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. I don't remember exactly when. Um but I was pro at the time. I don't remember exactly when, yeah. but I remember him telling me, and I was like, "Oh shit, that would be so dope to like yeah. go to or whatever." And oh, I, you should have came, yo, bro. Dude. Like he, he even like sent me, like he, I think he texted me or like DM me or something, yeah. like like the information and stuff like that. And I like never like for the tickets and like oh, stuff like that. And, uh, I forgot what happened, dope. but I wound up like not going. Yeah. But that, I just remember that. Yeah, um, that would have been dope. Yeah, hell yeah. I think that was probably Cyclone Stadium in 2015. Maybe that would have been dope. Um, um, but yeah, so you won. How you won five in a row? How consecutive? Like after your first fight, like when is the second one? Like a week later, a month later? No, so it's so so the the tournament runs from like January twenty fifth around there, all the way to April. Oh shit! So it's kind of annoying that you know you the whole time. This is how I think I became so uh, disciplined with my weight, with what I eat, with how I train, because through the whole time you have to be like, yo, they can call me next week. Well, they oh, can so you me. never know for sure. You never know. They just send you a letter. At the time, it was a letter. Now, of course, it's updated. So like it's email, emails. probably. <laughs> <laughs> so you're waiting for a letter in, like, uh, in your mailbox. The, young, Every, the younger kids listening are probably like, a letter? What do you what's mean? Like, a letter? ABC? <laughs> like, what? What's a <laughs> Yo, is it A ABC? mailman? What? <laughs> <laughs> so there's something that's called the, the postal service. The <laughs> they deliver physical mail to you. And... <laughs> So you always had to eat like, well, me, I always ate on point. I always worked out. every. So every day you would be in the gym and you'd be running. Running to me is not even considered like a, a, like a workout. workout. That's like it's a pre, just, pre-workout. Thing. It's just you got to do it. You got to do it to maintain the stamina. You got to do it to maintain the weight off. You have so every time I just be running. To me, if I, if I run 15 minutes, I'm like good for a month. Bye. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did my exercise for the year. I'll see you in 2022. <laughs> So, so it was like you win once and then you keep training, you keep training. And every time you're like, oh, next week might be the week. Next week. Might, and then you're always reading the newspaper to see who won. So now you're like, oh, my, my chances are to fight these guys. Damn. You get okay. me? It always breaks it down. Who so won. you keep like your possible opponents yeah, uh, in possible mind. Opponents. That's another thing. You never know who you're fighting. Damn. So you're like, if, if it's like a pro fight, you know, you have like. Uh, let's say two months or whatever they train you know this guy's a brawler so you're gonna try to you know oh look at this video he just likes to do this yeah, so yeah. I'm gonna box him you try well, to break, a, break down the yeah, tape and see where yeah. his weaknesses are I'm gonna throw like, uppercut like every time him. he does this or every, or every time he does that 
this is like you have no idea who you're fighting. Damn. You might be fighting a boxer. You might be fighting a brawler. You might be fighting someone who boxes and brawls. You have no idea. Damn. It's whoever wins. That's like, in a sense, it's like harder from a, yeah. like a preparation standpoint, right? Because it's just and like completely dope. random. I think that's dope. Yeah. Like, uh, it's like th- that... If you may know for you that you you're you like fueled by that like competitive yeah or whatever yeah. it's like you want something like that because yeah. it's like even more competition just and the you fact learn that random. yeah you learn so they want you to experience the tall guy the lefty the hard hitter the boxer the brawler you get to experience all that like i don't understand why now in the amateurs everyone's like oh no this this fight might be hard i don't want to take it like why damn like yeah. it happens a lot of times like oh this guy has mad experience i don't want to fight him it's like amateur. Your re- your record really never counts. True. Like if you look at my book, you might be like, "Damn son, why are you still fighting?" <laughs> <laughs> like this is the time to learn, though, right? This, this is, is your the time learning. to go through yeah. like random. This is like, your learning experience. If you plan to go pro, I mean, you know, this is your learning experience. You you want to fight the tall guy. You want to fight the short guy, so you know how to move around them, how to use your jab. You want to fight the hard hitters. Can I take this shot? You want to fight the ones that would just completely dominate you on an experience because then you learn true you learn and it's crazy imagine you want to learn that stuff early on as opposed to learning it after yes. you become a pro yeah like you know what i mean like because now let's say you fight a lefty when you're pro that you never fought a lefty you're screwed right you're gonna get destroyed right. yeah it is it's people right now like in the amateurs are afraid to fight certain fighters yeah like if this is gonna count on they're like trying to be like too strategic yeah it's like biting them in the ass yeah it's, it's gonna like, bite yeah. them in the in the ass later on damn that's crazy Mm-hmm. So then you have your, so you win your five fights in a row. Yeah, I felt crazy. It was dope. This will happen on my fifth fight. I can never forget it, man. In 2007. Were they all decisions, real quick? Like all decisions. That? Okay. Yeah. I don't think I hit hard, but I was a mess. <laughs> yeah. I was a mess. It was like if you had experience and you could time the right punch with how hard I hit, then I would have been knocking everybody out. But you know, the experience is what counts. You know, True. Yeah, you can yeah. hit someone real hard right, like right around the, the side of the face or the ear, and they're gonna take it. True. When you hit someone really, not even really hard, right on the chin, they're falling. Yeah. It's automatic. Like it's automatic. <laughs> it depends where, uh, how how good your experience is and where you hit that punch. Right. So how'd you feel after your fifth one? No, on the fifth one, check this out. On the fifth one, uh, Salinas. I always remember him. He was. In the post office is hilarious. Oh, you serious? Oh, yeah. He used to work for the post office. <laughs> so he's the guy that brings us out. He's bringing me out. All of a sudden, I go to my corner. This is in Hostos Community College. By the way, every event is different, so you don't even know Damn. where you're playing. It's pretty dope. Hasta eso. Yeah. <laughs> so we're in Hostos Community College in the Bronx, and, uh, you know, we, the, there's more people there. So if you're under 10 fights, that gets you nervous. And True. you're in the semifinal, so you know you're fighting someone that's good. Yeah. It's like, you know, the the, the higher you go, the, the harder the guy. opponent yeah. is. So I remember fighting this guy, Gledwin Ortiz. And uh, Salinas brings us in. And he, I go to my corner, and then he walks around. And he takes a corner of the other guy. I'm like, yeah. what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's political right there because he's like a main guy in the tournament. Oh, so that if, and if it's a close fight or whatever, <clears> then... <throat> It might go his way. You know, politics is everywhere. Yeah, true. Dude, I... Damn, I that sucks. I destroyed this guy. I, You know, peace, peace what's goody, uh, Gladwin, if you ever hear this? Because, <laughs> yo, we mad cool. Like, you know, in the boxing community, you kind of know all the fighters. Right. But he knows I won. I We've spoken before. He knows I won. And they gave him the decision. Damn. And uh, 
which I don't know. Like, I really would have liked to have fought in the garden because the, the finals was in the garden, dude. Oh, shit. Uh, and then it was against this kid named Steven Martinez. Steven Martinez was like, every time I saw him, we would talk. He's Dominican. He was good. He was tall. Nice. And that was going to be us in the, in the garden. Wow. And that would have been dope. That would have been dope. And then, you know, in the garden, if whoever goes to the garden automatically gets a chain. So they automatically get a Is chain. Is that the, like the glove? The gold chain? glove oh, and nice. the silver glove. So you got second or first. Gotcha. But either way, my thing was like, uh, so after a while, I would do the golden gloves every, every year. Mm-hmm. And there was a point that I would lose. And I've lost every year from 2007 to 2012. There was a point that I was like, yo, man, fuck it. Just give me the silver. I don't care. I just want to go to the finals. Yeah. And and that's terrible, by the way. I just want to say that that's terrible of me to even think like that. Like that, like, mentality. Yeah, it was like, yo, just, I want to get to the finals. Like, give me the silver, you know? And yeah. As an athlete, it's like, I don't know. As an athlete, sometimes you're like, yo, let me go to the finals. I want to see what it is to feel in the finals. True. I want to see what it is to fight in the garden. I want to see it's like kind it of you were like counting yourself out a little bit like like if I made it to the finals I made I, I won like that was it yeah that's bullshit <laughs> but it was in my mind you know like every year yeah. I lose for what that's six years six what no five consecutive no six consecutive five consecutive years damn it's annoying dude and every day I'll be training 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 my bad if uh, I'm a little stumbling here. <laughs> nah, that's, that's thanks it, to the Buffalo Trace yeah story. Buffalo Trace is delicious. <laughs> No, but that's part of it. Like that, that, that type of mentality, like always, like creeps into your head, like ne- negative thinking and like stuff like that, yeah, and, and, and kind of like trying to make yourself like complacent. Like, all right, if I do this, oh, uh, that's good enough. All right, yeah. I'll take that. I really want that, but uh, I'll take this. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that. But that like also speaks to what we were speaking about earlier, like pushing through. Am and I going like, to push through it? Or am I going to be happy with the with the freaking exactly? Silver? Are you are you are you going to settle? Or are you going to even if not within boxing, but then you take that mentality and say, all right, I noticed Anything. that when I was doing this in boxing and I was uh, thinking about settling, I'm not, I know that that was like a mentality that I don't want to have. I don't want to carry like forward when, um, you know, working as a firefighter, yeah. for example, and like stuff like that. And it's like, like you course correct and use that as like an experience that you learned, you know, in boxing, but you can apply it to firefighting and con- continuing your fitness and yeah. you know other endeavors and like Almost stuff like anything. that yeah. like are you going to be ex- uh, happy that you got your first book but you it wasn't like a million people that saw it or even you know like you'll be like yo i want my next book to be a crazy hit seller because i want everyone to know that i'm a writer right my opinion i don't know if you no no yeah saying. absolutely like like i'm like that's like in the writing space like i i would struggle with that too like uh, i would say like I want I want this book to everybody in the world read it and I want, and I want to change the world. Everybody reads it and say, "Oh my yeah. god, Tony wrote the new Bible." Yeah. Or something, you know what I mean? <laughs> and it's like but or and at the same time, you know, if it's like 17 people and 15 of them are my friends and family read it. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? It's like yeah. what am I going to do when that happens? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like oh man, when uh when that decision came, I was so excited cuz I'm thinking I'm going to the finals, dude. Mm-hmm. And it went his way, dude. I was like, that had to be fucking heartbreaking. I bought the tape. I bought the tape, and I would look at the tape over and over. I'll be, in, I'll be in my house watching the tape, and I'm like, how could he win? Oh, I'm done. I'm Fuck. done. You know, you're like, I ain't doing this no more. All of a sudden, my brother looks up some tournament in Missouri. It's called Ringside World Tournament. There, over like four thousand fighters go from all over the world, dude. He's like, oh, I, uh, we're signing up to this tournament. 
I was like, I don't know. So he's like, I signed you up. He's like, oh, man, I don't know if I want to go. He's like, I also quit my job. We're going. Damn. <laughs> so now you know you have to Yo, go. <laughs> I have to go now. Like, if it wasn't for wow. him, I was not going. That's a good but, brother yeah, right there, yeah, by the my way. My brother's the best, man. And um, all of a sudden, I got this Acro Integra dude. Is <laughs> finally running. This is the one that we were saying that I put the motor in and yeah. everything. It's finally running. I never took it nowhere. And here you we drove are. that shit to Missouri? <laughs> Here we are driving a car that I don't even know is going to make it to Missouri. <laughs> Damn. Man, he didn't know how to drive like sticks, so I'm driving the whole way to go fight. <laughs> Yo, so I remember that summer, we like in August. It's always like uh, the end of July to the August. We get in the car. That would be a fun road trip, though. Oh, my God. Nope, nothing. We get in the car, and we drive all the way over there. We get there like on Monday, and... We had we had not booked nowhere to stay, so we're going from hotel to hotel. <laughs> Do you have any rooms? <laughs> and from there, like, I think on Tuesday I fought, and that Damn. tournament's different. That tournament's like three thousand, four thousand fighters, and if you win today, you fight tomorrow. Oh shit! And if you win tomorrow, you fight the next day. Oh, and, so like last man standing yeah. type of thing. And wow. it's like. Uh, the f- 141 pounds and 152 pounds are the most stacked weight classes. Like, God. that's where the most fighters are. That's like uh, junior middleweight and middleweight. I mean, junior... Uh, Walter. Welterweight and welterweight. It's crazy. Damn. Those are stacked. Th- so that's you're basically you fighting all five days, yeah. You were 155? I was one, uh, 152. Wow. 152. Damn. That's crazy. Shredded. I mean, yeah. I mean, in high school, I was like 140-something. Yeah. yeah. So, I never changed. So, how how was that? Like, that tournament? Dude, I won the first fight. I won the second fight. I won the third fight. Dude, it was like, my brother was like, ah! Damn. Yo, my brother's not a, a coach. He's my corner man over yeah. there, dude. <laughs> like, yo, yo no sé lo que tú estás haciendo, pero está ganando. Keep sigue, doing that sigue shit. tirando, sigue tirando. <laughs> yo, and then, um, I had no one to wrap my hands. He doesn't know how to wrap hands. Mayweather's aunt was wrapping my hands. What? Yeah, she was there. She's like, I never wrapped nobody's hands. She was a nurse. And why was she there? She was her like, son was fighting. Oh, okay. It's okay. funny because uh, my brother David always says, like, oh, I was watching 24 7 and I saw him there. Like, Dang. you know, he was there just yeah. chilling in the gym. So she was wrapping my hands. And uh, sometimes I do like an ugly win. And ugly wins, right? And it's like, oh, it's messy. It was this, but I won. Yeah. Gotcha. So she's like, listen, forget about the ugly win, all right? An ugly win is better than a beautiful loss. True. Yo, that still sticks with me today. Like, you know, some people, like, like in the the tournament before, I know Mm -hmm. I should have won, but I lost. It was beautifully mine. It was like a beautiful loss, but it's true. So we get to Saturday, dude finals in the finals i was excited i'm like Damn. i'm getting this belt <laughs> and i end up fighting the son of the vice president of the tournament fuck politics kicks in again beautiful <laughs> loss dude wow. i gave this guy eight counts like eight count is like if you hit him so hard or you hit him too many times that the ref stops and then he starts counting like one, oh, one two three so i gave him an eight count i i hit him so hard with a hook that his mouthpiece flew out Everything had a huge black eye. Everything, dude, and I lost. Get the fuck out of here! I lose. I'm I'm pissed, man. I'm pissed. I go and they give me some little stupid book bag. I have the book bag over there. I feel like burning it. <laughs> I never used the book bag ever. Wow. It's like one of those little fanny packs. Never used it. 
And I threw it on the floor, and the parents of that kid, the vice president, comes and talks to me. He's like, you know, sometimes these things happen. Like, they knew he lost, too. Fuck, man. man. But we couldn't do that to our son. Yeah, we couldn't (laughs) let him lose. (laughs) Ah, shit. That was a So that's why I experienced a beautiful loss, man. Well, second time. Fuck. And I went there every year as well. And never won. I went like finalists. Like so, this is like all over the world. People like I put. I yeah. saw people from Finland, Ottawa, Africa. It was fighters from all over. That's a big crazy experience. As crazy. Well, right? They'll have like ten rings. All ten rings are going at the same time. Wow. And it goes from like you weigh in at seven in the morning, and then at like eleven in the morning they start fights. The young kids, like seven year olds, eight year olds, are fighting, and then it goes to like six p.m. And then they clean the rings, they vacuum the rings and everything. And then it goes from like 7 p.m. all the way to like 2 a.m. Every wow. day. Every day. It's crazy. That's sick. That's a crazy That just sounds like a, like a sick experience in and of it. Like oh, somebody man. watching it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds sick. And then you're there. Every day you got to weigh in. Every day you got to see the doctor. And you're there like, oh, man. Who am I fighting? Yeah. What it is. And that. It's, it's like pretty, the nerves it's all crazy. over again. Yeah. That sounds intense as fuck. I went to the finals three times over there. Wow. Yeah, and that's when I over there was where I met my coach Sosa. Yo, the loco. <laughs> I'm gonna Sosa? forward this to him. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I met my coach Sosa over there in uh, in 2011. He had all these little kids like they were winning. All of them won. It's insane. <laughs> Damn. All of them won. Like they were they were like, like different champ- weight classes, different and weight stuff? classes. Okay. And they all they all won. He was coaching me. He was taking my uh, my corner. Well, he wasn't taking my corner. He was just giving me tips. And he was giving me cornering tips. And, again, fin- uh, finalist. I lost in the finals. And when I came back to New York, he's from New York, so I, went, I, I was going to his gym. Gotcha. Okay. And they say this thing about if you're in a winning team, if you're uh, around champions, you become a champion. I guess they force you to... To be at that level. To, like, raise, raise, yeah, you, raise you, your own bar. Yeah, and after that, that's when I started winning. Nice. That's crazy. Now tell me about the winning stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was, what, 2000, 2012, when I came back from over there, I got into this tournament called the Metro's Tournament. And in the Metro's Tournament, I think I fought in Yonkers. Y.O. Yeah. I, was, I fought in Yonkers with my old coach. And Mendes? No. So I had switched to another coach after that. Gotcha. Mendes. So I know you want me to go back to Mendes. Yeah, yeah go. In 2000, 2008, whacking the Golden Gloves, I had a fight in Suffolk PAL and I had pneumonia, dude. I had pneumonia. I told him, yo, I'm sick, this and that, this and that. He's like, oh, don't worry, we're going to win. We're going to win. I went to Suffolk PAL and he never showed up. What? Yeah, he never showed up. And he's like, oh, he, he he called me. He's like, this guy's going to take your corner. I felt like, yo, this mother, you know. Yeah. Like, why don't you come? I have pneumonia you told, you're not here. You and knew you, that you, I, like, you knew that I was sick. And you're like, nah, we're going to win. We're going to win. Then you don't even show up. Damn. So I fought. Uh, I lost. That's crazy, fighting with pneumonia. Sometimes I look. I fought two times. Bro. Really. That's crazy. <laughs> That's like... But you're you, getting out of bed with pneumonia. But this <laughs> is tough. You remember, you know, fucking fighting? <laughs> You're burning up and everything. What? But the thing is, there's a once a year tournament. You don't want to miss it. 
and you no don't matter what, die either. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so this is mentality. I don't know if everybody, every other fighter has it out there. It's like, yo, I'd rather die in the ring. Right. This gotcha. is why you need yeah. a ref. This is exactly why you need a right. ref. Now these days, the refs are cutting it early or this and that. But you're gonna die in the ring because you're never gonna give up. Right. We have that like warrior mentality yeah, and that 100%. like spirit. Yeah. yeah. So I went in there. He didn't show up. I lost. And then um, I was like, I can't be here. You, you told me let's fight. You never showed up for me. And I lost. Did he ever give you like a reason why or like? I think it was because there was no way to get out there. Damn. Like a lot of times they, he didn't drive and his other coaches didn't drive. And um, if there's no way for him to get there, he's not going to go. If it's in New York City, they'll take a train or whatever. But it was yeah. in Long Island. So I was like, that's messed up. And I left. You made it there. <laughs> Everybody yeah, right. else did it, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, I left. I left. Fuck. And that was the end of Mendes. Then I joined this other gym in like 2010, which was a good gym for the for the gym mates. Mm-hmm. But the coach was not for me, man. Gotcha. He was like, he had preference over some fighters. I was just funny because I was just talking to this to a gym mate yesterday. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, I'm going to say it real quick. Because I'm working in, in my job yesterday, and he shows up. He's like, yo, you remember me? I'm like, oh, he had a beer. Like, and, you know, there's so many people. Like, yeah. Sometimes I get messed up because it's like, do I know you from boxing? Do I know you from the fire department? Do I know you as from one school? of my friends? Yeah. Do I know you from school? Do <laughs> yeah. I know you from this? And I got to go through my archive. And yeah. he's like, yo, the only way... Uh, He's like, the only way I uh, I grew this beard is because you broke my nose. I'm like, oh, he must be from fighting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's crazy because it's my boy Mark from that gym. Gotcha. From, okay. But it's like, you know, if you don't see the guy for so long, it's been yeah. how many years? But it's, uh, I was in that gym and, and the guys there were good. They were hard workers. They were, but the coach wasn't paying attention to me. Gotcha. And then in and like that's an important relationship, right? In, in very like the the coach and and very like student or very. however you you call it. I mean, just think about it. It's like this guy wants the best of you. Yeah. He wants the best for you and the best of you, and he wants you to win. And he's gonna give you his best if he's like invested into it. Yeah. But if he's like not invested in you and invested in somebody else obviously you're not going to get that from him not going to get that from him and that's not going to bring out of you your best yeah so yeah 100 it's important to recognize so when i was in that fight he's telling me instructions and in my head i'm like man you don't even know me like you're not my coach you're never there when i'm training you're never there when i'm, when I'm uh running you're never there what do you like you don't know what i should throw right now you don't know what kind of punches i throw true you're not even my coach basically and uh, I left. I left that gym, too. And when I met Sosa out there, I came here, and I started going there. Gotcha. Okay. And from there, it was totally... It was like six years. It was my six Golden Gloves. It was like, I think, 89 fighters in my weight class that year. It was 2013. Damn. 89 fighters, dude. This is what I mean. This is just one weight class. I remember my first fight was a tough fight. It was a long guy, like tall, uh, tall guy. I beat him. I went to the next one. I beat him. And I was getting nervous. And so, so I'd be like, yo, you put in the work. You put in this. You put in that. And it's funny because you know how you always have to write down your goals or write down what you experienced through the whole time? Yeah. And, like, reflect on it. Yeah. yeah. So I was writing down, like, every time I spar, every round, I would jot it down. Like, let's see how good I do with Sosa in the Golden Gloves. I had one more fight before this with him. But... In the Golden Gloves, I was like, let me see uh, how good I do. So I had like 335 rounds of sparring. Wow. Just to get ready for, for that year, 2013. And then it was like, 
335 rounds, first fight, win. I have this, like, on a picture somewhere. Wow, that's awesome, yeah, bro. Yeah, and then it was, like, then I did another, like, 10 rounds of sparring, and then second fight, won. And then I did, like, eight rounds of sparring, and then third round, third fight, won. It was, like, it was all jotted. Damn. Bro, if you find that, if you find that picture, send it yeah, to yeah. Me. <laughs> put it, like, on my website for, like, for this episode. Dude, it was insane. And then I kept winning and winning. And he would just be like, yo, trust the process. You know, it's all it's all depending on the draw. And it's true. The draw is amazing. Like, it could be what you. What does that mean, the draw? So, you know, you never really know who you're fighting. Remember what I said? Yeah, yeah. So, it'll be like. So, it's like the matchup. Yeah, it'll be like someone just pulls a name out of the hat. That, oh, this guy's fighting this guy. Gotcha. Okay. So, it's all depending on the draw sometimes. Okay. So, right. it'll be like. Uh, if you're the first fight and you're fighting the number one guy in the country, you're fucked. <laughs> yeah, basically, you're kind of screwed. Yeah. So little by little, I started pulling out the right names, the right names. Not me, but them. And it just kept building up my confidence. No matter how ugly I looked in the fight, I'm winning. Yeah. I'm winning. Like I got nice. that. I got that. Um. That you better like take that, like, me out. Like drive him. Yeah, yeah. You better take me out if you want to stop me. You hit me, bomb, 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 bomb. I'm coming, I'm coming. You nice. ain't stopping me. I'm going to win. Like I'm a going fucking to win. Yeah. Dominican zombie. A bull, son. It's only Toro, loco. Yo, so I remember every fight I was winning, and then I remember semifinals. I got the weakest draw of the poll. I'm like, yeah, boy. <laughs> I got this. I'm going to the finals. Oh, man. Yo, I did great in that fight because I knew already he was the weakest link in, in, in the draw. My opinion, of course, but yeah, everyone yeah. kind of knew it. And then uh, I did great on that fight. I think I gave him like one eight count. And then I was like, yo, I remember everyone was excited. I'm going. To the, I'm going. So the whole, the whole time, there's no more longer the garden. Now it's like the Barclay Center. And I'm okay. like, I was devastated. Like, oh, I wanted to fight in the Damn, garden. Yeah. And, you know, like, <laughs> like history in the garden. All of a sudden, it's like, so-so would be like, just be the first one to win it in the Barclay Center. True. That's history within itself. Hell you know, yeah. he kept going, like, like amping me up, amping me up. That's, I like Sosa. Sosa's it. dope. <laughs> like, he knows, like, the, 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 like, right, like, perspective for yeah, the situation. He was, he was boosting me up, boosting me up. And when it came to the finals, yo, the finals was against this kid named Peter Dobson. Dude, this guy was, like, he went to the, the Pals, which is, like, a national tournament. He went all the way, like, four fights in and everything, like, he was. He already had won the Golden Gloves before. He he was he was strong. He 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 was a good fighter. What can I say? He was also from the cops and kids in in the Bronx. I think it was. And everyone thought he was gonna knock me out. Everyone thought this guy. Oh, that's is over. And yo, in the Barclays Center, when I get there, I look at the ring. I'm like, damn, there's a big ring. You damn, know? If he boxes lights. me. Yeah, if he boxes me, you know, because I'm a brawler. But it turns out he's a brawler, too. He's a hard hitter, so he wants to be, like, in front of you to try okay. to knock you out. Dude, I don't even remember what happened that fight. I, it's like you go, you, your training took over. You went blank, and you did everything you were supposed to. Just, just like, execution mode. Execution. And I took home that win. Wow. Dude, it was, it was unbelievable. I cried the next day. Like, on my pillow, I was Bro, crying. Bro, I, I, I feel like crying right now. <laughs> Dude, I was Damn, on my pillow. Like, yo, amazing. six years of hard work is, wow. came out. It was dope finally paid off mm-hmm. and then um that's fucking amazing man that was my goal though like after a while so much losing it was like just win the golden gloves win the golden gloves win the golden gloves that's not win a tournament man. i completely forgot about the goal that i wrote down with mendez remember 
where I said I wanted to be a pro. Right. That was gone. Right. That was like all I was. Yeah, they took was, a left turn and just like started focusing. Let on me the win gloves. the Golden Gloves. Let me right. win the Golden Gloves. Then in 2014, I'm the guy to beat. Right. And we went to. And what was that tournament? That was the Golden Gloves. That was Golden Gloves. Yeah. That I wasn't won. the Metro one. No, no, that was the Golden oh, Gloves. Oh shit! I got my, I got my. You chain. have the chain yeah, and everything. I got my chain. I gotta see that shit, bro. I got. Um, <laughs> it was uh, the first time in the Barclays Center. Everything was dope. That's amazing. Yeah. It was. Uh, then right after that, we went to see who's the best in the country. This is like in Washington. Right. So state. now the person who wins oh, no, no, the Golden Gloves in New York. No, 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 no. Then that's a different fight. Like that's okay. in Salt Lake City. That's a National Golden Gloves. Gotcha. Okay. National Golden Gloves. You get to represent New York. That was an experience too. Like it was dope. Damn. It's like boxing led me to different experiences. That was in Salt Lake City. I never have been. I've never traveled unless it was to fight. So that gotcha. was my first time where everything was paid for. They gave me a. Uh, a couple of bucks for me to spend over nice. there. They gave me a hotel room. It was dope. Like, nice. oh shoot, you know, oh, someone's taking care of me from yeah, fighting. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> it wasn't me paying my own bucks. Like when I went to Kansas City, there I, I should have won that too. And I fought the number two guy in the country. They gave it to him. Damn. Yo, I'm telling you, son, politics runs everywhere. So it does, man. <laughs> His name was, uh, I can't believe I still remember these names. It was Tony Losi, dude. And I remember uh, I should have won that, and the guy went and complained. Like, yo, this is the most absurd scoring I've ever seen. Like, like he beat me by a number that shouldn't even happen. Like, I should have won that. And they were like, no, he won by this amount of number. Damn. Like, the way they scored it. Yeah. And he went and fought it, but they were like, you know, no, he won. He lost the next round. <laughs> and then um, that same year, I went to the Nationals. This is to see if you're number one in the country or not. Okay. The Golden Gloves Nationals. No, no. That was... An, this one's called the Nationals. Oh, okay. This is for you to be, like, number one in the country. Okay. The the Golden Gloves is a different tournament. Gotcha. So, the Nationals is just the best of the of the country going fight in that tournament. Damn. The other one is the best in the state for the Golden Gloves. Gotcha, gotcha. This one okay. is the best for, like, Team USA. If you win, you, you, you get a chance to go on a Team USA where everything goes... Uh, like, Team USA Olympics? Team USA, you fight for the country. Wow. This is dope. So if they send you to Bulgaria or they send you to fight in Africa or they send you to fight in Europe somewhere. Gotcha, okay. You, it's free always. Team USA, they, wow. they pay you a per diem. They train you in the Olympic Training Center. It's dope. That would have been amazing. Damn. And I remember fighting this guy. He was, at that time, he was the, you ever heard of Clarissa Shields? Yeah. So she she's actually starting uh, MMA now. Yeah. Yeah. I think she had her her first fight already. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that was her boyfriend. She's like the Mayweather of yeah, like, MMA. Basically of women. <laughs> oh, of yeah. boxing. We, yeah. With women. She um I was fighting her boyfriend at the time. Damn. And, dude, I destroyed. I cut him above his eye. Over there, like in, in the nationals, you wear no headgear. Oh it's done. So I cut him above his eye. The coaches were like his coaches were mad like he lost the coaches came his coaches came up to my coaches and they were like i'm sorry you know you should have won that fight damn that's insane dude and and then from there i came back and they called me to fight the 2014 me and my friend got laid over on a flight in dc and then they were like oh you're fighting in the golden gloves on on tuesday like two days after Okay. Shit. No time to rest, nothing, <laughs> whatever. 
2014, I went all the way to the finals, beating Gledwin Ortiz, the guy who beat me in 2007, right. yeah. in the semifinals, dude. That had to be like that was like redemption. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, redemption. And then um, I beat the number two guy in the country, and like in the in the, in the quarterfinals, I beat him. Like imagine you just beat the guy that's ranked number two in the country. That's not. I felt like yo. I I felt like sometimes like. The, Cause then I lost in the finals, and I feel sometimes like the 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 silver gloves was the real golden gloves. I fought better experienced fighters, like I fought like yeah, like you tested yourself. Yeah, and and I beat some of the more experienced fighters, and the finals turned out the other way. But whatever, you know, I fought a kid that's been fighting since seven years old. Damn. He was good. He was like, he's good right now. He's pro. He's doing good. Hey, but I got a gold and a silver. That's awesome, bro. Yeah, and then from there was my coach was like, what you doing now? He said, let's go pro. And then, you know, it's funny because I wrote that down, what? When you uh, were at Mendes. Like, yeah. Way back when. Seven years ago. And then now it came to fruition. Wow. And we did, uh, we fought uh, pro. How, how does that process work? So, like, what requirements do you have in order to go pro? So that's the thing, right? There's no requirements. Uh, it depends if you uh, if you want to go pro with one fight or no fights you could it depends but so you like, just get your ass kicked basically. yeah you, you only <laughs> get your ass kicked <laughs> to me it was I had cer- certain like uh, goals I had accomplished even mm-hmm. to, att- to attempt it because now you know your experience level true so I remember I don't know what was it like June 21st was my first fight in 2014 as a pro. Your first pro? Yeah. Damn. And I was nervous as hell. Oh, my God. I fought at 147. And how does that work? Is it, like, in terms of, like, the venue? Is it, like, similar venues? Because it's pro, but it's, like, you know... Sometimes like, it could be in the back of a gym. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, it depends yeah. where, the, where the show's going. Here okay. in New York, it'll be bigger venues. But if you go down, like, I think I went to South Carolina. It's going to be back of a gym. Gotcha. Whatever, okay. whatever has the, the sanction to do it. Okay. So I fought there... I remember um, I won that, like, I think it was first round stoppage. Then I Damn. fought, then I fought a second fight. No, no, then I first, that was my first fight June 21st. Then on June 26th, I got my, my letter to become a firefighter to go take the test. Damn. Dude, I was like, oh, man, I didn't think I was going to get this letter. <laughs> And so, is that something that you, like, signed up for, like, while I you wasn't, were... Yeah, I was doing it because my brothers wanted to do it. Gotcha. My brother and my friend Omar. You remember Omar? He went to uh, Richmond Hill with us. Yeah. Omar Santana. Dominican Omar. Yeah, Dominican yeah, Omar. I do. He wanted to do it. And I, he, he was like, let's do these books. Let's do this. Let's do that. I was like, all right. But in reality, it wasn't in my, in my cards yeah. at the time. And I went. I took the test with him. I got a good score. I think it was like 102. Nice. And to me, boxing, I wanted to be world champ. And then I did the first fight. I got that letter. I, w- I didn't want to, like, leave. And then the people, because I was doing the, I was still doing the, the doorman. And the people at the job were while like. While you were doing the boxing? While we were doing the boxing. So I was only doing doorman, like, Thursday night, Friday night, and Sunday, like, morning. It was like t- uh, part time. Gotcha. And then I can do the boxing whenever. So. So you had enough money to like pay your bills and shit, but yeah, like focus pay, on boxing. Right? That was it. Pay my bills, focus on boxing. Right. That was it. And um, 
they pushed me out. They pushed me out of being the doorman to be a firefighter. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. They were like, if you don't, if you don't leave, you know, we're not gonna talk to you no more. If you don't leave, like you, you like helping out these people here, but imagine what it's like to help a whole community. True. They were like, if you don't leave, where you can get more money and you still have time to still do your workouts and all this. We don't want to talk to you. They kept going on with looking looking out for you. You know what I mean? Basically, which is kind of dope. Yeah, it's kind of dope. I wouldn't have left. It's hard to find like people like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. See, if if they were like people that were just like I don't know, like more like selfish or into Mm -hmm. like their own shit, they'd be like, no, 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 this is the better job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck being a firefighter. You know, we we need you for the schedule or whatever. You're ready in this. You're ready in that. Yeah, they they pushed me out. So shout out to them. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to them. Then I went on. I went to to the academy and then my second fight was two days after graduation damn second second pro fight pro fight and you know people were dead like this is funny people were dead because you'll wake up like at five in the morning to go to the academy you wouldn't get out to six and in the academy you do crazy like uh workouts run you do workouts you do runs you do physical activities like you have to do hands-on activities like Climbing up fire escapes with weights and pushing things and pulling things. And Damn. You do courses, like obstacle courses that are crazy hard on, like, a mask. Then you got you got um, reading. You got tests. You got everything. And then it'll end, like, around 5 or 6 p.m. How long are... Because I wanted to ask you about this. How long is the... Uh, is that, like, the basic training it's called, basic I guess? Training. Four months. It's 18 weeks. Yeah, okay. Four, yeah, four months and a half. Four months, and it's like Monday to Friday. Monday or? to Friday, yeah. and then you could go Saturday for uh, um, like extra. no, wait, wait. The probation is eighteen weeks. The okay. academy is four months and a half. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So the the probation period is like when they make sure you're like physically fit and like stuff like that. The probation period is like even after you get the out of the academy, in case you do something stupid, you know, you still could get fired. Oh, okay. So no, the academy is four and a half. But then 18 weeks before you're, like, a legit, no longer a probie, you know, a probation, you can make mistakes here and there. And during that, so during that four and a half period, like, you're still going through, like, the tests and, and physical tests and mental. They, yeah, know, like they test you on a writing test. Like yeah, they test you on a writing test, like, every week. Okay. They do hands-on exams, like, connect this to this, or what would you do here, or ropes, they do everything. How they um jump off a building, and since you were damn, <laughs> yeah. Like how you gonna how you gonna how you gonna tie this rope and put it onto your into your uh, mechanism, and then how you gonna slide down like this building? Down yeah, building. slide down the building. Holy shit, that's pretty crazy. And how were you? Like you were phys- obviously physically fit <laughs> from like boxing and stuff like that. Did you like notice a difference between you and everybody else that you were like going through like that basic training with for that four months? Or? I found it easy. Everybody yeah. was finding it tough and this, but after I would do the the four or five out, like uh, I get out at four or five p.m., I'll go to the gym because I knew my fight was in, in November. Damn, yeah. So they were like, I can't believe you're going to the gym afterwards. I'm like, yeah, I'm going here to uh, Flatbush, which is like an hour and a half to get to the gym. Damn. And then do my training and take another hour to come back home and wake up again at four in the morning, five in the morning. And they were like they were destroyed by the time you know the like the day yeah. was over in the academy, and I was like I was actually using the academy uh, as a like a pre workout pre workout. <laughs> I was That's using it as tra- like as my camp. Yeah. This is my strength and conditioning camp. True. 
So it was, uh, I guess, beneficial to my second fight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How did that go? Uh, dude, my second fight, I think I graduated on, I think it was a Tuesday or a Wednesday. And then my fight was on a Friday. And then what happens is you got to go to, there's no, like, uh, transition. Once you graduate, you go into work. Oh, shit. They put you in a firehouse and you go to work. This and is, do you know already at that point, like, which firehouse you're going to? They or tell they? you, like, two days before or okay. one day before. So we graduated, let's say, I think it was on a Wednesday. And they told us on a Tuesday where we're going. Damn. And then I go to the firehouse I'm going to be. And I tell them, oh, by the way, you know, I can't work on Friday. Which <laughs> yeah. was when I was supposed to work, dude. They were like, Fuck. who the hell is this kid yeah. telling me he can't work? So it's your first day, you fuck, you don't get days off. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yo, he was like a drill, like a uh, lieutenant colonel in the army. Yeah. So he went off on me. Like, I was like, oh, by the way. <laughs> This is the head DI. This is the head drill instructor. Uh, his number in case you need it. I don't need to call nobody. How can you tell me what to... I was like, oh, my God. I don't Fuck. even ever want to be here no more. <laughs> I know. <laughs> You're, like, starting off on, like, the wrong foot. <laughs> and then someone else stepped up for me. They were like, oh, I'll, I'll work for him if he works for me here. I was like, all right. Yeah, Damn. sure. Nice. And then that was in the Racino, in the casino, like, in the Rockaways. Oh, okay. I fought there, and I won that fight, too. Nice. That was, that was dope. That was dope. And then I had another fight in 2015 while I was a probie. Everyone was calling me crazy in the firehouse. Yeah. And then I had one more in 2015 as well in the casino in uh, Reno. It's upstate in, New York. Oh, okay, okay. It's upstate New York. And um, after that, I noticed, like, this is when I'm already a firefighter, you know, in the fire department. It's hard to, to live the life of a, of a fighter. And a lot of people don't understand, like, not as a fighter because we have our own boxing team, mm-hmm. but as a fighter, as a pro fighter, because you have to, you have to sleep, live, sleep, and, and eat. In the firehouse? No, no, I'm saying, like, as a fighter. Oh, okay, okay. So, as a fighter. You fi- have to dedicate, like. You have food. to dedicate everything to it. You yeah. have to eat the right food. You have to run in, like, when, throughout the day, you got to run. And then you also have to do your, your, your gym workouts and your sparring and your, and your, and your mitts, everything. So, if I'm working 24 hours in the firehouse, I'm missing that whole day. True. I can probably, you know, and as a probie, you're not allowed to work out in the firehouse. Damn. It's, it's a certain thing, you know. So, what am I going to do? Miss a whole day without, and then the next day, I, I might have to work again. So, I'm missing that day, too. Yeah. It's like and you're setting yourself up to fail. Like setting myself up to fail. So, I think in 2015, I lost. That was my fourth profile, and I lost it. And the reason I lost it, it was... I couldn't go under 150 pounds. My fight is at 147. Damn. So the way the weight works is you're at a certain weight and you work crazy, crazy to drop your weight. But then there's like a, a boundary that you can't pass. You can't like get You past can't that. break it. Right. And then no you keep working. You, yeah, like you don't eat. You don't do water, anything. Put on the garbage bag. Nothing. Sauna. You stay there. One, and then once you break it, you can drop like another four or five pounds. It just drops automatically. Mm-hmm. So I was like at 50, and then I went down to 40, 49 and went back up to 50. And then back down. Damn. I couldn't get a 47. Then once I broke 48, then I dropped to like 44. I'm like, yo, that's crazy. I dropped to 44. That means that my body killed some of the muscle. Shit. So now I'm 44, fighting at 47. The first round was good. The second round, I was tired. And the third round, I was tired. And that's what gave me the L. Gotcha. So after that, I was like, I'm not putting myself in this position again. True. 
And that's when I stopped fighting. Now that was I was full-time fireman, yeah. Nice. Full-time fireman. All right, so we just took a cigar break. <laughs> Good looking out. Those are... I know nothing about cigars, but were, those were some nice... Uh, Monte Cristos. Yeah. I actually thank you for the Buffalo Trace. You know, it was a good uh, fair exchange. A nice mix. <laughs> <laughs> Buffalo Trace for the cigars. I'm looking right now at the at the silver and the gold, golden gloves, uh, chains, which I took pictures for. Anybody listening to this, you can go to the website, spontray.com forward slash podcast forward slash 187 is going to be this episode. And you guys can take a look at all the pictures that we that we took uh, for this episode, and as well as my Instagram at sponsoray.com. I'm gonna post a bunch of them, um, but they're fucking dope, man! Amazing. Yeah, what's crazy is right, like they stopped giving the chains out, so you no longer have the chain. Oh, really? Because the chains were like uh, patented with the golden gloves by the Daily News. You know, Daily News ran them all the way from way back when, like the. 40s 50s 60s oh okay and then they're no longer like uh daily news so now people get like uh belts or rings and this is only a new york thing so if you fought like louisiana golden gloves you got a belt you can't carry a belt but then all of a sudden you walk anywhere with this chain like damn this guy was a golden glove winner like a golden glove og (laughs) og yeah basically (laughs) nice that's awesome man so now we're going to transition to or speak about your transition from going from the Golden Gloves and, you know, you were fighting pro, but you were also, uh, you went through the FDNY late training and stuff like that. So tell us more about that, like your transition between the two. Yeah. Because even though you were still, you still fought like, what, like four pro fights while yeah. you were still in the FDNY, but your transition into like that and beyond. Yeah. So after I came out of the academy, you go to certain different battalions in different boroughs. So a battalion will be like, four or five different firehouses and then they're run by like uh, a battalion chief and sometimes like uh ot they have such like low staff that you get ordered in for like overtime or you get ordered in for hostages so a hostage is basically let's say the schedule in the fdny is uh some people don't know about it but it's like you don't go days off you go hours off so it'll be like, let's say I work Monday, Tuesday, the morning shift, right? So morning shift will be like nine to six, and uh, you always get a, you always get there early. So it'll be like seven thirty to six. You know, you're never late in the department ever. That's why they they make sure you're never late. So you'll be there seven thirty as a probie till six p.m. And sometimes you have to do something called a waiting relief, meaning my firehouse only has uh, four people. So you got to wait for one other person to come from another firehouse or another borough or wherever to make sure you have five people. So someone has to wait for that person. And then the way it works is, is uh, they have a red line. Red line means is like you can only work 400 hours of overtime, right? But if you need people, it'll be like, yo, I can't find no one else. So you have to work over the red line. Gotcha, right? okay. So my red line was like, at that time when I came out of the academy, it was 532 hours. So when they didn't for, have it. For how long? That's like for the month or? 532 hours. So it comes off yearly. Oh, okay, okay. So whatever you worked on this day, it will only come off next year on this day or on this pay period. Gotcha. So it was so short-staffed at the moment that you had to provide a hostage every second tour. 
So let's say, like again, I said, uh, I work Monday, Tuesday, right? So on, on Tuesday night, if I didn't, if they didn't have enough people, I had to stay to work overtime the night shift. So usually from the night shift is is 6 p.m. till 9 a.m. So and you had to do either a waiting relief, or you had to do something called like you just a wait relief for like five hours, till like someone in the night tour comes in extra early for relieving you. So that's how low they were like on manpower. Wow. So every time that I got out, like you had to have a hostage, you had to work all your or if you don't have a hostage, then you're working the night tour, like let's say on Tuesday night. Does it make sense? I don't know if I'm explaining it correctly. So instead of me training, like let's say I worked Monday, Tuesday, and I had to work Wednesday, uh, Tuesday night, I wouldn't be able to train until Wednesday. And this is how I transitioned from like, yo, am I going to put my life in danger as a fighter, as a boxer, where I only train, let's say, Wednesday instead of uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday are off. And then go and fight in the ring. I was like, no, I'm not going to put my life in danger like that. So I was like... And I, you're like kind of putting your life in danger on both sides. On both like sides. half-assing fighting yeah. and, and boxing. Uh, like your pro record yeah. and stuff like that. And like half-assing, you know, you're going to be tired and drained. Yes. And going to fight fire. Yes. Uh, fight fire yeah. to like save people's lives and shit like that. 100%. So I was like, I, I made a decision where it was like, I do not want to be in the ring where I'm half-assing this sport because I loved it. I love fighting. I love the competition. I love everything. So the last thing I want to do is get knocked the fuck out because I didn't train hard enough. And True. like I said earlier, you know, this is the only sport where everything's on you. Right. So I don't want to be in there because uh, it, 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 it goes against you in your mind. It works against you. Like, yo, I know I didn't do my mileage. Exactly. I know I didn't eat correctly. I know I didn't do this. I know I didn't sleep well. I know I didn't lose the, the weight the right way. And, and like I, psychologically, that fucks you up. And that like, messes I, you up. It, like, sets you up to, like, since I know I didn't do what I was supposed to do, I know I'm going to get fucked up yeah. when I get into the ring. And then psychologically, that yeah. must be, like, a mind fuck. It's a mind fuck. And then you're, you're here, and let's say you're on the third round, and you're tired, that mind fuck kicks in, and you might be like, yo, I'm in danger right now. I got to do whatever right. it is to survive. While the other guy's like, yo, I'm going to eat right now. He's tired. Which is when you make mistakes. Which is when you make mistakes. Damn. So I, I made a decision I was like, yo, that's it. I can't fight no more. And I, I did everything just straight for the fire department at that time. Right. Which is, uh, it was hard for me because, you know, I had, in my head I had, yo, I want to be a world champ. Right. I want to be a world champ. <laughs> but it was like a, a decision you had to make at yeah. that point in time. And tell me about the, like that transition once you made that decision and you were like focused 100% in the fire department how has life been like in the fire department I think life in the fire department has has transitioned well for me like I still can do like boxing I actually became one of the head coaches for the fire department boxing team nice um which which lets me like give to the newer fighters or the new uh, uh firefighters hey this is what I know Let's win. Because I love winning, man. I yeah. really love the feeling of winning. I love that if you put in the hard work, if you put in the hard work and, and you know you put in the hard work and you win, it... There's no better feeling. Yeah, man. There's no better feeling than that. So I love the fact that I can still uh, coach boxing in the fire department. And then after I finish training, I usually do my own workout. You know, like other gyms, like certain gyms give us the opportunity to train in there for free. Like, you know... It's, because it's, you're part of the FDNY. Because you're part of the FDNY. 
And I love that about gyms. You know, we we usually give, like, when we throw shows, we always uh, shout the gym out. And hopefully, you know, if we can support the gym anyway, we, we do. Nice. And that's pretty, uh, you know, you give, uh, you give and you take, which right. is... But on top of that, it's like besides boxing, I was I also uh, I became a member of the FDNY Running Club, which kind of helped me accomplish one of my dreams. Like, so another dream. So it's crazy because it's like boxing, being a pro fighter was a dream that I forgot about. But Golden Gloves was a dream, and then uh, that happened, and then the pro the pro life. And now one of my dreams since I was younger was. Um, Running in Boston, the Boston Marathon. Oh, yeah, yeah. Dude, Boston Marathon is not for punks. <laughs> they don't let anyone in. You okay. have to actually qualify for it. And running for the Boston Marathon is like uh, you got to run it under three hours. So that's like under under like 6.50 a mile. So you got to do every mile at 6.50 pace, sure. which is crazy. And um, through the FDNY running team, uh, had this coach named Shane McKeon. He gave me a running plan, and I was able to do it. It was crazy, and it was crazy because I ran like a half marathon at one two eight, one hour and twenty eight minutes, which is my, the number of my company. And then I finished the whole marathon at two fifty nine, which is the engine company in my of my company. So basically, both our company numbers were my marathon pace. What it's is that? The the company numbers. That's like the the name of the firehouse. Yeah. Then, so so every fire every company. Every firehouse has either one company, two companies, or two companies and a chief. You know, so you know you have Rescue 4 or 292 or my company is 128. And then the company that runs in, uh, the engine company that runs with my ladder company is um, 259. But a company is like a group of people? Or like 30 people equal a company or 10 people or whatever? Or... So every company is made of like the truck companies. So there's a truck and a ladder. I mean, a trunk and an engine, a ladder and an engine. So usually the ladder is called the truck. Okay. So the ladder usually has like 50 people in their roster. And then the engine has like 30, 40 people in their roster. Gotcha. Okay. So, now I get it. so every ladder has like uh, every time a shift is consists of five people and a boss. And then the engine is four people and a boss okay so my ladder company is the company i'm assigned to is 128 and then the engine company which is the sister company is 259 and that's a house now those two companies are a house and the battalion which is four or five so the battalion is like the chief of the four or five companies that i mentioned earlier okay so so like if i if i see like a firehouse like in there, there's a like shift to shift. There's five people in the truck, in the truck, and, and four people in the ladder. Yeah. So, and like shift is like nine to six or whatever. Nine to whatever, six right? or like six to nine a.m. Yeah. Okay. So the truck has five people and a boss. So six people are in a shift, and gotcha. then the engine has four people and a boss, which is five people within the shift okay. and then the end the battalion has a driver and a chief gotcha. so through every shift there's 13 people in the firehouse gotcha. so morning shift is 13 night shift might be the same 13 or a different 13 okay so at any given time like at least 13 people at least 13 people in my firehouse some people have like single companies so it just be the truck or just the engine and that's like based on i guess like population and if there's like not a lot of fires in a certain area maybe they'll have less 
or like usually all of them had like uh engine in the truck okay but like they closed some of them down which like is, funding yeah it's like funding it's kind of crazy because we actually we need every company as much as possible so yeah of course you have like 300 companies it's like around 300 for a population of 10 million plus like there's 10 million plus people in new york city right and you have 300 companies total in total there's like 8,000 firemen damn 8,000 firemen for a 10 million plus population yeah it's, it's insane That's insane tell me um one of the things i'm interested in in like hearing about is so you finish the four and a half months of like training and stuff like that and you get assigned to the firehouse that you're at tell me about like your first experience if you remember the first time that i guess like the way i see it like in the movies like the alarm yeah. goes off people are sliding down the poles like the ghostbusters type of thing and people are like yo there's a fucking fire let's go yeah like tell me what that experience was like for you for me it was like uh i came from an environment where it was like you're always on the ready right so i remember when i first started it was yes sir they called me mr yes sir because you know if, before if the coach told me do something yes sir and i do it right so, right so when i came in there i was always nervous because from the academy you don't know nothing you just know stuff that are like uh planned but in as a probie they you still get a lead way because you have people telling you what to do like Oh, we're going on a, on a car accident, and you have this. They start you off like on on uh, the sweetest position, which is like the can man. The can man is the one that uh, usually carries like the, the fire extinguisher and a hook, and you follow the boss around. Right. right. So there's in the truck there's five positions, right? There's the can man, the iron. So I'm gonna break it down. Right? The can man carries a fire extinguisher. And a hook, a hook to pull ceilings in case there's a fire. You break the ceiling and you pull it down to see if there's fires within the walls. So that's the can man. You follow the boss around. The boss tells you. It's like basically you're hugging his coat right. or you're pulling on his coat. Wherever they go, you go. Then you have the irons man across from them. The irons man is the guy that breaks the door down. You know, you got a, a halligan hook and an axe. And you're breaking the door down. And then once you break the door down, you open it. Then you mask up. They go one way and the cam man sticks with usually. Well, it's, it's up to the boss. If the cam man, if you're a new guy, the cam man's going to stick with the boss inside the building. And then the irons man goes the other way inside the building and does a search to see if there's anybody down or whatever. Then on the other side of the rig of the truck, you have like a, a, a roof man. Nothing, nothing. Even if there's a chief in front of you, if there's rescue in front of you, nothing deters the roof man from getting to the roof. Nothing. That's his, like, main objective, yeah. get to the roof. Get to the roof. Because once you're in the roof, you could tell everybody else, hey, you know, in the back, this is what's going on. I see fire in the back window. I see that there's uh, no entrance in the back window. I mean, in the backyard. Or there's a a, a setback, which would be, like, an extension in the backyard. Yeah, you like, an overview of, like, the entire perimeter. Of the entire perimeter. So and you could, like, be, like, the quarterback for everybody. I'm the eyes of everybody else. Gotcha. And you got to be able to tell that on the radio like hey this was going on here 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 there's a door in the back where people can go through or there's this in the back or there's people hanging out the window in the back whatever it is you, you that's the roof man's job you know and um you cut holes let's say it's in a uh, let's say it's a building of four floors 
and there's a fire on the fourth floor, then you got to cut holes in, to let that heat out. You let that smoke out. Right. Or you got to break uh, skylights or open up like... Like any type of ventilation. Scuttles. Yeah, ventilation is on you right there. And then you have the OV man, the outside vent person or man. I know they're trying to change everything. But the OV person is the one that goes in the back of the building. No matter what, you got to get to the back. If it's attached, if it's not attached... You got to find your way to the back because you want to see, hey, there's a fire escape in the back and there's people on, on the third floor. You lower the fire escape and you climb up. Or if there's fire coming out the back, you, you uh, bring down the fire escape, you run up and you're ready to vent. Gotcha. You know? That's the, the, the OV person or even OV man. So every time you're in the truck, you're in a, in a different position. All so shifts. every time you got so if there's a call today and there's a call tomorrow you might be the OV man one day and you might be the the roof uh, guy yeah another day. roof iron so you got to know gotcha. the whole like each position each position you got to know what your tools are where do you go like it's you're on your own most of the time if you're on the outside if you're on the inside you're with the boss the boss tells you or the lieutenant or the captain tells you hey you know break this door down or do this do this but on the outside you got to know what you got to do on your own Gotcha. And then... Uh, that stuff, you learned that during that, like, four month of, like, training? You do it in you the academy. each position? Yeah. Okay. So, the thing is, everything's planned in the academy. Right. And then they're like, all right, like right here you go. Here you go. You now go you're in the open. Yeah. Now, let's... Open <laughs> everything season. Everything you study, yeah. <laughs> like, go do it in real yeah. life. <laughs> now you gotta, uh, you gotta start thinking on your own. Right. So, when you first come out, you start off in the can. And then little by little, you go do irons. Once, you know, you, you drill all the time inside the firehouse. How do you break this door? How do you do? What if the door is in, inward? Like if it opens in, inward? What if it opens outward? What if you can't open it because the space is too tight? What if the door has uh, like, a, like a bar that doesn't allow you to break it in? Which usually happens now a mm-hmm. lot. So you, you train little by little and then they're like, all right, you can get the irons today. You know, and then once they feel more comfortable, all right, you got the roof today. Or, gotcha. or the OV today, so it all goes on as much. And that's like the like the boss or whatever the firehouse like makes that decision, right? Like you're good usually, enough to assist. Yeah, usually it's the senior man. Okay. The senior man tells you like, all right, man, you can, you know, let's let's give you some experience on this position. Nice. Let's give you some experience on this position. Usually, if it's like the OV, they'll be like, all right, you got this on the date on the day tour, which is the daytime. Because, you know, it'd be 3, 4 in the morning, you get something, you'd be like, oh, my God, I don't know what to do. It's, like, dark, and yeah, it's, it's dark. like, that much harder, right? It's way harder. So they try to ease you in into, like, hey, let's do it in the daytime. And then while you're in, like, while you're in that tour, they'll be like, all right, well, uh, like, you're the first due company on two-floor uh, regular house, like a, a private dwelling. Mm-hmm. What is your, where do you go? What are your, what are your tools? You know, and stuff like that. And little by little, you start just getting everything in your head and then as time goes on you're like all right i know what to do i got the ov gotcha. I, got, I got the roof i got whatever and like when you're when you're like in the firehouse but like when there's no fire to like going on and stuff like that you guys like practice this stuff like in there like you have like certain drills you always drill on everything you always drill like on so we're by highway mm-hmm. so we draw on airbags airbags are like let's say there's someone crushed you know, on a train or whatever, you have these airbags that, you know, every position gets a certain uh, tool. And, all right, well, you're in this position. And let's say, is this, what are you doing? What are you doing here? What are you doing here? What are you doing here? And then if it's like, uh, if it's, uh, let's say, uh, a 
commercial building, which will be like a store, a deli. Then what are you doing? What are you bringing? What are you doing? And if it's a deli, and then on top of the deli, which is a lot in New York, residential. Uh, resi- yeah, it's a deli, and then on top is a residential area. What are you doing? Where are you going? Was you know what are you bringing? And so you always drill in. You always want to be. You want to feel comfortable in the position you are with all types of buildings. Right. With all like different types of scenarios and stuff like that. So is it like you guys are like in the kind of like a classroom setting, like inside no, the firehouse? It's just guys talking. Okay. It's just people talking. So you so like around the table like this and you're like, all right, in this situation, what do you do? Not even. It could be just, you know, it would just be me and you in in the kitchen. And I've been, oh, yo, Tony, okay, okay, okay. what's good, man? Yo, uh, so I'm driving today. And if you're the OV, like this has happened, this happened to me recently since I started driving. Mm-hmm. So it'd be like, yo, you're the OV guy, you're the OV person. And, you know, we pull up to a fire. I just want you to know that you can't leave until I let you leave. So usually when you pull up to a fire, the, the truck has these things called outriggers, right? When you pull out the outriggers, it's like, two things that come out the back and then lift the truck up from the floor, the wheels. Okay. And then when you lift the truck up, you're allowed to control the huge ladder. Gotcha. Right? But what happens if I'm in a fire and I pull up and now there's a car parked here, I can't pull it all the way out. And I got to be like, yo, Tony, am I good? Just am getting, I like, hit the cars. And yeah, yeah. Like and do I clear the cars with my with my uh, tormentors or outriggers? And then he's like, you say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, all right, cool. I put it. And then, but then some people don't know about that. So it'll be like, yo, they leave. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm screwed. So we'll be in the kitchen. I'm like, yo, we talk about that. Got and you. that's how you learn. Usually you just speak with people. And, hey, what happened if I, we get to this situation? What are we doing? It's like... Damn, that's awesome. It's, it's, uh, that's how you get to bond better with people. Right. You, you want to know if I'm in this situation, how do I handle it? Or how would you handle it? And then I learn tips from you. Right. And you get to know, I guess, like your like your coworkers mm-hmm. in, in that sense. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And people that are like better to work with in certain situations versus yeah. others and stuff like that. Yeah, 100%. You create bonds and like trust. Damn. It's a... Uh, so it's not like a classroom. Sometimes they do like classrooms and everybody joins in or you do like a, a, a drill where everybody comes in, mm-hmm. but you don't have to. Right. You can just automatically just do it, just me and you. Right. You or, can have like an impromptu conversation. Yeah. Or let's say I'm a probie and, uh, and I'm on the can and you're on the iron, you know, you'll be like, hey, just know that if we go to a commercial building, and again, like a laundromat, or a big like building that does uh, that does parkings for trucks, right? Those things are huge. So I'll be like, yo, uh, just remember that if we get one of these calls, bring the search rope, which is a rope that you know you 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 tie it around something and you just go in and you're always holding the rope because you don't know how big the building is. So you're always holding on the rope, and if you gotta come back out, you just follow, just follow the, rope the rope back out. Gotcha. Because fires is insane a lot of people don't know this but when you go into a fire it's like putting your hand over your face over your eyes and it's completely black you're like going in blind blind and then you know how it is like in your house like if you look at my my apartment right now it's totally different setup than your apartment right so let's say if i was to come in through here i'm doing a left hand search i'm coming around the couch and all this on my knees 
But then what's the other person doing the right-hand search? He's going to the other room over there, the bathroom, the kitchen. It's a complete different experience. Complete and by left-hand search, you mean like you literally have your left hand on the wall. You and never let go. You never let go of the wall. And the, the right-hand search is doing the right side. Yeah, because you don't see anything. And the purpose of that is like you can't see anything and you're feeling around to like see if you see people or like where the fire is, I yeah. guess. And you, you see, if, you feel people because you can't really see them. So True. you just you have your hand on the wall, you put your other hand on the outside and you're looking to see if you see so, or you're feeling to see if you feel a body or whatever. Right. And then if you see like a red glow in the entire darkness, be like, oh, the fire's over here. True. And then you call, hey, the fire's over here. You know, bring the bring the water to this area. Right. Cause that that's important because you you were telling me before that there's like, generally, correct me if I'm getting this wrong, but like two different cars. Like one car, like the first car, the first truck that goes in, is doing that search, left hand search, right hand search, and you're reporting back to the second car that has the water. Yeah. And saying, yo, the fire's in the left hand side living yeah. room, whatever, and then they come in with the water yeah. and stuff like that. So. Right there's a oh, car. Oh my goodness! Or a truck. Yeah, right truck. <laughs> if you if you call the engine, which is the one with the hose, if you call a little truck, oh boy, you're getting annihilated. <laughs> Yo, give me fifty burpees right now my, for my calling. Bad, yeah, for calling, in advance. for calling my engine a truck. <laughs> so I'm in the truck, right? Which is the one with the ladder. Well, what the the main the main job of the truck will be to uh, get in and find a fire, you know, and if you find like a person down while you're doing that, then you bring that person out and everyone else continues to find a fire. Okay. Once they find a fire, then they call in the engine and they tell them, yo, the fire's in the back room or in the rear or on this living, on the, on the living room, whatever it is, or in the kitchen. What happens is like uh, the engine gets to the fire, turns it off, and we out. So the truck usually, the truck usually like, uh, when it comes to finding the fire, it's their, uh, it's their main prerogative to find a fire and then be able to restrict it from going everywhere else. Mm-hmm. They, 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 they break the walls, break the ceilings. and um, To make sure it like, doesn't spread. It doesn't spread. Yeah, once you, uh, once you stop the spread, then the engine just uh, uh, continues washing it down. Usually, if you're on the third floor, fourth floor, I'm sorry for the guys on the on the floor below because it's gonna be drenched in water. Damn, yeah. I mean, you want to stop it, right? Yeah. You, um, at that point, it's like stop the fire at all. Stop costs, the fire right? at all costs. You're not worried about like property yeah. Yeah. damage or like anything like that. It depends too. Like, let's say if the if the houses are attached, mm-hmm. then you really want to stop it because there's a main thing. Like, if the houses are attached, there's a thing called a cock loft. Where it'll be on the top, right on the top top, right before the roof. There's a thing called a cockloft where they're all combined. All the houses are are together. So if it gets into that, it's gonna get into the other house. Fuck. So right. you really want to stop it before it goes there. And uh, at that point, it's like our job is yo break the ceiling here, make sure there's no, and then the engine shuts it, you know, shoots the water there, make sure there's no extension. Damn. <laughs> is there? This is going to sound like a stupid question, but is there like, well, I guess that's what the fire hydrants are for, right? <laughs> like the, like I'm thinking like, is there a situation like where the truck runs out of water? Like a trunk, uh, the, the one engine. truck, uh, the, the engine, engine has a certain amount of water. The right? engine, anyway. yeah. The engine carries like 500 gallons of water. Oh, shit. Automatic without no, without no hydrant. Okay. But the main thing is like, they, sh- they, um, 
the engine runs out of water so fast because they do like so many gallons per minute that it wouldn't last three minutes. So oh, wow. you, the n- number one thing is to connect to the hydrant. Oh, okay. So, so somebody's like dedicated job. So once we get there, go, automatic, to hydrant. automatic gotcha, control. Okay. Uh, they check the hydrant, and if the hydrant is good, they connect to the hydrant. Sometimes the hydrants aren't good, and then you have uh, you call this this code called 1070, which uh, it means yo, I got no hi- no hydrant water. And then the second dual company, the second dual engine company, which is they have to find another hydrant. That's their goal. That's their uh, objective. Objective: find that hydrant and then connect to that hydrant and relay the water to the first dual. Oh wow! And that's how you get the water in. That there. just like complicates. Yeah, like even more. Always, it's always complicated. Sometimes the hydrants are frozen. Sometimes the hydrants don't work. That's so insane. when we're not going into fires. We're checking hydrants. Gotcha. Okay. We're checking, you know, all these things, make sure that they all work. Right. So that's another question I had. So people have, and my, myself included, have, like, an idea of, like, firefighters that, you know, they're, like, chilling, hanging out, playing cards, like, in a firehouse, <laughs> not doing anything. If there's a fire, which we as 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 people, like, um, just living in a residential area, hopefully we don't, like, see fires every day, like, in yeah. houses. So we... I feel, uh, at least, I don't want to speak for other people, but to some extent, you have, like, in the back of your head, oh, like, fires just happen once in the blue, whatever, they're yeah. not really doing anything. But, like, in those times when you actually aren't um, uh, responding to, like, fire calls or, like, 911 calls or possible yeah. fires or, like, it smells like gas or, like, things like that, you guys are doing, like, certain things like that to make sure, yeah. like, checking fire hydrants and making sure that when you do go to fires, like, I guess that's, like, the purpose of it to make sure that fire hydrants are working and like certain compliance things are like in place to make sure that when you do go to a fire, like you don't have that like, yeah. situation or at least you minimize that as much as possible. Yeah. So there's other shit that you guys do besides just like literally fight fires. Uh, so one of the main things we do is call a uh, building inspection. Anything above two floors, we allow to inspect. So if it's a, if it's a, a company or, or, or even a, a three-family residential. Three-family residential. We inspect because... And then we write this down on the computer. And when we write it down on the computer, it will tell us, like, oh, this is a three-family. The boiler's in the basement. There's an elevator. There is a, a, you know, backyard or whatever it is, you know. And what we do is we put it into, we put it into a, like, a form. That form now comes into, into the truck onto the engine it's called SIDS so what it does is once the call comes in it'll tell you you know this is a a commercial building and, or this is a commercial building like let's say you you get a, a you know the public storage right that's a commercial building mm-hmm. it's six floors they got two elevators they have a basement with a boiler in the bottom they have a HVAC system on, on the roof they have cell towers on the roof so when, once it comes up on, on the SIDS, on the you call, what you're doing we kind of understand what we're going into. Right, okay. You know, so if they say there's a, there's a fire on the fifth floor, we're like, oh, it's a sixth floor. All right, or let's say there's a fire on the sixth floor, we'll be like, oh, there's a sixth floor uh, uh, commercial space. We know there's cell towers. We know there's HVAC systems, so that means there's mad weight on the, on the roof. So we have a certain amount of time before, you know, this before might collapse or whatever. And so we kind of do that while we're not 
on a fire. Gotcha. We okay. kind of write everything down, you know? And it, like, works together, like, plays into each other. That's of awesome. Course. That's amazing. I yeah. never knew that. You, you also ask, like, there's always a couple of questions that I ask whenever we do a building inspection. It'll be like, uh, what's the latest that a, a person is actually working here? You know, because if it's at three in the morning, there's nobody working there. Who's the main, like, uh, the, the main people at harm? Gotcha. It's us. Right. You get me? So we're not going to go all crazy knowing there's no one in there to save or right. or someone else might be, you know, uh, at a, a certain, uh, that they need help. Right. It's us. You know, how so many you elevators? you rule out as much Yeah, you want to rule out as much stuff as possible. How many elevators are there? You know, if someone is in there and it's three o'clock, are there two elevators? One elevator. Uh, if someone's stuck in the elevator, is is the shut off to the elevator and the, on the basement, or is it on the roof? You know, like is uh, certain things we always rule out, and that's what we do building inspection for, which is I think is kind of that's you know, amazing. It's a good thing to have. Yeah, hell yeah. Like I had no idea about that. Yeah, and it makes sense because you, it's kind of like knowing that information. You have the data mm-hmm. necessary to like know the landscape of what you're going into yep. like in the future that's another thing it tells how big the building is or you know how how deep it goes in or where are the exits stuff like that it's like so you literally know what you're walking into as sort opposed of. to just like yeah <laughs> i mean sort of because like you mentioned before it's like control chaos if there's yeah. a fire but if you know there's like six floors versus four floors yeah like that helps minimize like your danger to some extent yeah 100%. you know what i mean because obviously you're still in like harm's way but the more you know, the better. Mm-hmm. There's also things like if it's like a, a government building or like a school, something like that, you know that it's fireproof. So if something happens in one room, it's probably going to stay in that one room. It's going to stay contained. Yeah, it's going to stay uh. contained in that one room. So if if it's fireproof or is it a high rise, because high rise are all fireproof. If it's not high rise, we usually take in the stairs, no elevators. If it's high rise, we we could take the elevators like two floors below. Gotcha. It's like it's all controlled, but at least by doing the BI, we understand like, all right, this is what we got. This what is, is what we're getting B- into. BI? Building inspection. Gotcha. Okay. Building inspection. Nice. So that's part of what we do when we're not just oh my god, we fighting fires. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We do the hydrant that's inspections. Like the day to day. Yeah, we do hydrant inspections. Make sure the hydrant if it's. If it's, we just come in into spring, we make sure, oh, this hydrant's not frozen. Or, oh, someone crashed into this hydrant. We actually need a hydrant over here because there's no hydrant. True. You know, so the, the, the lieutenants and the captains, they get, like, a list. Oh, there's supposed to be a hydrant here. Let's go check it. They're supposed, you know, so you have, like, all these hydrants that you got to check within a certain amount of time. Make sure they work. It's, That's it's not just, oh, my God, we're going to a fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? It's weird because I don't know if we should call we should be called the fire department anymore. <laughs> we should be called the everything department. Yeah, <laughs> like because you guys are like the first on the scene for like for everything. everything. Right? Car accident. If there's a um, someone needs medical attention. If someone there's like EM, like fire EMTs. Or yeah, yeah, like that, automatic. Right? We're the first ones there. We're CF. We're all CFR cert- certified. Certified first CFR? responders. We're first, like certified first responders. Gotcha. So if we get to a house first, you know, we start doing CPR, we start doing the vitals, we start getting everybody ready until the ambulance comes. Wow. Okay. And then you know, we uh, once the ambulance comes, then we're like, okay, this is what we got. We've been doing CPR for this amount of time, and, and you then, hand it over to and them. then hand it over to them. Or if cops come, you hand yeah. it over to them for like. Their- well, we stay there until usually uh, the ambulance comes. Gotcha. 
And why is that? Because you guys are, like, the closest to, like, most scenes or... So, to my understanding, uh, like, before it was ambulances were by hospitals. Mm -hmm. And then the fire department took over. So, usually if there's an ambulance here, you know, usually firehouses are are positioned in certain positions. And the the fire department might get there first in the ambulance. Gotcha. And then, you know, if we get there first and it's something serious, we'll be like, okay, send us an ambulance. Right. Or if the ambulance gets there first, they'll be like, oh, we're here, you know, you guys can go. We got it. But... I, the fire department bought over, like they became part of the fire department, the ambulances. Gotcha. Okay, that's insane. Yeah. What is the, I guess like the craziest situation that you had to deal with, like in terms of like a fire or like an accident or something like that? Is there like is one that like stands out more than others, that like a situation that you were in? I I think uh, a lot of situations are different. I think in the fire department, ambulance, uh, PD officers. I think we all become like uh, it's weird, but we all kind of become a little numb because every situation is like, oh my god, you know, this might be the this person's like uh, craziest situation they've ever, they've ever been in their mm-hmm. lives, and we're like, oh, we've been here before, but we still have to perform what we got to do at any given situation. But like, if I see someone at their craziest experience i'd be like oh i experienced this last week i try to help him of course as much as i can but it doesn't hit me as hard right so it is weird because sometimes it goes to the back of your head like i've uh like oh yeah i went through that yeah i went but then it goes into the back of your head and this is a uh, uh, something that a lot of people uh go through with 15 years in 16 years in it starts clicking in and now they're like oh you know i can't sleep at night it's like ptsd but it's because it's all piled in there and or some people are like, oh, you don't have any feelings or any, you know, you can't, you can't vibe with me or, or you you show no emotions or you don't care. And it's because it's like, this is my regular routine every day. Right. You get me. So uh, someone else might see it as you don't care, but I do care. It's just this is my job. I seen this four times today. Exactly. It's like it's my so regular it's, it's thing. It's gonna hit you different. It's gonna hit me different than what else. it does someone right. else. And. You know, in the fire department or EMS or PD, you're always doing the best of your abilities to actually help that person in need at that time. Right. There's no, like, one situation that stands out where, I don't know, like a blazing fire or something like that. You have to carry somebody out or uh, or has it just been like, I've so, carried, many, yeah. so, so many of those that it's just, like, they, like, blur together into one, like, situation? So there's been many situations where uh, I'll break in. And, like, we all break in. Like, if someone's not answering and it's a crazy uh, situation, uh, you break in or you go through the fire escape and you break in the house and you find, like, someone that's passed away and you see them in the most critical situation or you're in a fire and you have no idea where you are. To me, I think that was, all right, that was the number one. Like, I we went to a basement fire and... Everywhere I stepped, there was, like, so much water. Everything's down. You knock down everything, a lamp or a chair. You're stepping all over, and you have no idea where you are because your mask is fogged up, and you uh, don't have the experience to be like, okay, you know, I'm touching this wall, but I don't see where everyone else is. All I hear is crazy noise. Ah." It's like like chaos. Yeah, it's just chaos. And you're like, where am I? Where am I right now? 
like completely disoriented. It's it's not it's it's like you don't know where you, yeah you're disoriented or you just have no idea where you are right now. And Fuck. what do you do? What would you do in that situation? Me, unexperienced, fucking curl up into a ball, probably <laughs> <laughs> scream help. So you know it's it's like uh, you try to wipe off your 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 face piece to see if it, if the condensation of of like the heat and and the cold just mm-hmm. go away, but it doesn't. So um, you just keep going. You keep going or you turn around and go back. You look at how much air you have left because it has like little markers on the face piece. And then you like... Is that like like digital like markers or something? It has like little lights on it. It has little lights on the face piece and it tells you how much air you have left. Like oxygen? You have like oxygen tanks? Yeah, oxygen tanks. So the oxygen tanks are like 40 minutes, 45 minutes. Gotcha. And depending on how good your fitness level is, is different. How mm-hmm. you breathe, you know, it's like uh, um, if you are scared or you're going to suck it up faster. Usually, no matter what situation I'm in, I'm always like control breathing, control breathing, control breathing. So sometimes in it's called overhauling. So it'll be like now you're checking to see if the fire has extended. Everything's good. The water is on the fire. You're checking to see if the extension, like also to the next floor or to the ceiling or to the sides of the walls, uh, you're checking to see if the fire is extending. And I will always have my mask on. A lot of people take off their mask because the fire is off already, but mm-hmm. there's still a lot of chemicals in the air. Right. You know, and uh, I will always have my mask on. I'll do all my, my overhauling with my mask on. And it's because I have good cardio i guess good control breathing right. and i will keep it's it on boxing much, yeah. experience. <laughs> I, I mean yeah even now it's like my fitness uh i don't lay off i don't lay off at all i always push as hard as i can and when it comes to that situation where i have to control my breathing i can extend like my my bottle my my tank my air tank as much as i can gotcha so so like back to the to the one where i was like where am i that was a pretty... I was still a probie at the time. And that was like the one where I was like, yo, where am I? I'm kind of nervous right now. I don't know. And, you know, I just kept on to touching the wall on my left-hand arm. And I kept going forward. And then I saw my lieutenant. And from there, it was like, all right, I'm good. Nice. And then uh, it cleared up. For You know, if I would have known to, like, purge or purge or let out some air into my mask from... From a button that we have, it would have cleared up automatically. Gotcha. But and that's something that's you all learn experience. from experience. Yeah. Right. And how how many years in are you now? Um, I'm going on. I'm well. I'm going on eight now. In 2014. So. Gotcha. Going on eight. I remember when I first came out. I was like, oh my god, you know. So there was like 300 and something probies, like you know, in the academy with mm-hmm. me, and usually you want to go like. I had no idea. I have no family, no friends in the fire department. And I wanted to go somewhere like, ah, I want to go to crazy fires. Yeah. You know, I'm adrenaline. <laughs> I think I, I'm an adrenaline junkie. It yeah. came from the cars. It came from the working out. It <laughs> yeah. came from the boxing. I love adrenaline. So I want to go to like a, a firehouse that has crazy fires. Crazy, everything's going crazy. You know, as you said, control chaos. Yeah. It's crazy everybody else, but we love it. And, um, I got sent to with the house that I'm in now that I'm like, I looked up the numbers. It's like, oh, 20, at the time it was like 2,200 runs a year. Runs is like the cause. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, 2,200 runs. I wanted to go to like 5,000 runs. 
2,200 runs, and seven years, I'm like, you know, I'm glad I came here. You know, it has, it has a good amount of runs. I, I'm still, you know, helping everyone that needs to help, and I'm still able to not be so, uh, how do I say, like destroyed from 5,000 runs. Right. Because 5,000 runs a year is like, okay, you're destroyed. Yeah, you know, you're, you, you're you're still active, but you're not like 24 seven. That's all you're doing. Yeah, so it'll be like, let's say yeah. you're doing building inspection, and then you gotta run, and then you come back to building inspection, and then you gotta run. You haven't right. finished yet. Then you finish building inspection, and then you gotta run. Yeah, and then you have building inspection. I mean, then you go back to the firehouse. Oh, you didn't make it. You gotta run. Fuck. You know, stuff like that is like, and it depends on different neighborhoods because. Sometimes a lot of people call the fire department. Like, we're everything. I don't know. Like I said, I don't understand why we're fire. Yeah. We're everything. It's like, oh, someone's drunk in the street. They passed out. We get called. Yeah. <laughs> Someone is, uh, they smell gas, but it's really sewer gas, you sure. know? Or you're by a train station that goes underground. Oh, I see uh, smoke coming out of a manhole, but it's just steam. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, oh my God. Really, you call me for this? I could imagine. I, yeah. I actually called. I had one like personal experience with a fire department at my parents' crib um, in the attic. It, I like went up there and it was like, it, like the steam was on. Uh-huh. And it was just like condensation on the windows and it was yeah. like super hot. I was like, oh my god, there's an electrical fire inside yeah. the walls or something. <laughs> I called the fire department and stuff like that. And they were just like, they, like they went in. They were just like looking around and like they checked stuff and they were just like, crack the window, nigga. So, yeah, <laughs> crack the window. Relax. Crack the window. <laughs> it's, uh, so you guys get like called for everything. Yeah, well, you know, people are they don't know what it is. Yeah. So I, I like I could see it from their version, from yeah. their like perspective, like, uh, oh my god, what is this? And at this moment, we do so many things that, like, my company just became uh, a shooter. Like, uh, if you have a shooting inc- incident, like let's say if someone goes crazy shooting up a uh, mess stadium. We get a sign, you know, they give us a bulletproof uh, oh, helmet, a vest, and we go that way. Like, don't give me no gun or nothing, but, you know, I'm going into the hot zone, a warm zone, which basically, you know, we're surrounded by officers, trained officers for this certain situation. And then we go inside and, you know, we treat the, all those that are wounded. So that's something else. Like, wow. So it's like everything gets packed onto the fire department. People don't know this, but... We do everything. Whatever you can think about in an emergency situation, we're there. So water, even a water leak, we're there. Stuck elevators, we're there. It's it's a fire, we're there. If it's a car accident, we're there. If it's plutonium, uh, chemical, biological, train accident, whatever it is you can think of, we're there. So, you know, it's... Like the it's first up, the not, first responders. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not like we're like, oh yeah, it's just a fire. Let's go. Yeah. So that's crazy, man. Well, thank you for me and for these sponsored listeners uh, being uh, <laughs> for your service. All right. It's much appreciated, man. Yeah, man. I, I love it. I love what I do. That's um, awesome. And I'm glad to be part of it. It's my fitness thing. Um, I got what? Another. Another 13 years or 12 years to go. Wait, is it like the... I know, like 20 years, like... like no, uh, actually 22 and a half, so I have more than 13. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
have more than 13 and you get get to retire yeah full pension stuff yeah, yeah nice i'm hoping i can finish before yeah i'm trying to do an entrepreneur thing now with uh fitness nice because i love fitness so tell me more about that like your fitness endeavors obviously fitness has been like a big part of your life like throughout you for folks uh listening i'm gonna definitely link to in the episode notes um jose's uh instagram and stuff like that i call him the dominican david goggins <laughs> that's <laughs> funny you know what it's actually you're like not the first one to call me the Dominic- yeah i'm serious nice it's insane because uh i've actually done a couple of david goggins like uh uh challenges you nice. know how he always has challenges yeah, yeah. and um there was a challenge that I, I I thought like yo this must push you like crazy, like um, this must push you like crazy as in uh, like can you really do it? It sounds easy, but can you really do it? So he had this challenge where you did like four miles every four hours for forty eight hours, so you almost ran two marathons in two Fuck. days, and so I tried it. I started off, I was like, oh, this is good, this is good, this is good. But once you're in, like, uh, let's say at 3 in the morning or 4 in the morning, you got to wake up and run again. And then you wake up at 8 in the morning. Well, not even wake up at 8 in the morning because if you run, let's say I do my run at 12 uh, a.m., then you get back 4 miles, depending on how fast or slow mm-hmm. you do it, you get back in, in, like, let's say an hour. Then you have another 15 minutes to shower, eat a little something. Then you have another 15 minutes to, like, fall asleep. If you do, if you fall asleep at that time because you have the adrenaline going. And then you wake up another, at 3.30 a.m., you wake up again. And it's like, oh, I got to get ready. So it's not like you have four hours of straight sleep. So yeah, and then you gotta wake up. It's not up like again. a switch that you like. Just yeah. Like turn on. No, you gotta get. You gotta put you your clothes might get on. Like an hour if you're lucky. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and then you gotta go again and go again. And it was crazy because after I finished that tournament, I mean that challenge, I was like, yo, uh, I might do another uh, another four miles just to make it a certain like 48. And I was gonna make it 52 instead. I was like, <laughs> that'll be two miles, com- uh, two marathons completely. And then it was like at 8 a.m. I got a call like, hey, you know you work today, right? And I'm like, what do you mean? It's like, yeah, your your vacation ended like yesterday. I was like, what? Oh, so then shit. after that whole challenge, I had to go to work. Damn. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> that was crazy. That's insane. That was crazy. Well, you did the challenge. I did the challenge. Did you get any calls that day? Uh, that of course. You always get oh, uh, a couple of calls. <laughs> but, you know, that's, I think, um, once you get to a certain level, your body is always prepared to go. Right. There's no even if you're tired, it just it gets the adrenaline to go. It's like um, what's that saying? Uh, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Something like that. Always. Nice. Always. I did um. I've done like uh, when I look at his challenges, I'm like, okay, I could do this. I've done stuff like I wanted to create my own challenge, and I did. Uh, it was uh, 50 push-ups every hour for 24 hours. Damn. And sounds easy, you know, but then when it's like 1 a.m., you know, you do 50 push-ups and you're like, okay, I finished the 50 push-ups is 120. And you're like, uh, you know, not to go to bed. And then you got, you got the adrenaline going. Yeah. 
and you're like, oh man. And then let's say you do go to like you knock out around one thirty. Let's say ten minutes to knock out. Half hour later. Yeah, not even half hour because you gotta wake <laughs> up like at, at one fifty or whatever. You'd be like, oh, here we go again at two o'clock. I gotta do another fifty. Fuck. And it was yeah, it was fifty push-ups every uh, hour for twenty four hours. And you did that. You completed that. Completed it. That's and I had to be at work too, so it was crazy. That's was fucking nuts. insane. I think it was. I did another one with burpees. I think it was a thousand burpees. How fast can you do a thousand burpees? It took me like three hours, but I was like, oh, I'm not stopping until I do a thousand burpees. And it was like the hottest day in the world at Forest Park, and I still did it. So it's it's good to have the challenges because then you're like, yeah, I freaking yeah. did it. You have like something to strive for, yeah. and it's also at that point, it's like uh, it seems to me from like the outside looking in like uh it's more of like a mindset thing yeah it's like no i'm not leaving till actually i did more than a thousand burpees because i ran to the park which was three miles and then i ran back after the thousand burpees back to the house which is another (laughs) three miles and i love like the yeah like the post that that you've put up that that i've like followed and i've seen and i read like sometimes you like write like long ass like motivational like type things and yeah. just like reflecting on what you did and like stuff like that and it's like awesome and folks should definitely check that out man I think uh, if you put if you put the post it's just like oh whatever you know and then if you put the post with some writing on it people can actually connect to it right and then it might give them uh, uh, something to be like oh alright I'm gonna try this right or even exactly. if I don't finish it at least I tried it right and then you try again some other time to finish it true yeah <laughs> What's your what's your Instagram? I'm gonna link to it in the episode notes, but if anybody's listening, yeah, it's uh at Doctor Fist, like Doctor Fist, all written out. It's funny, some people just know me as Doctor Fist, so when they see me, they say, "Oh, Doctor Fist," nice. I'm like, <laughs> "Yo, what's kitty?" <laughs> That's awesome. But um, I think I use uh, the Instagram just as a fitness thing, hoping that someone actually sees that everyone's going through the same things all the time and if you're fit you actually you feel better no matter what you go through right and no matter what what like we were talking about this before like what walk of life you're into like you were telling me like even if i'm into writing like being fit and stuff like that will like the endorphins that release my brain from working out and stuff like that will help me with being more creative or you know no matter like what what walk of life uh, you're you're coming from or what path you're coming from like being fit is something beneficial to you like no matter what yeah whether it's a I, physical thing or a mental thing or whatever i've uh i've read books i've i know a couple of like depends what success is to me to a certain person because sex means uh it's different to everybody that they're searching for it mm-hmm. but in my eyes every successful person always works out True. before usually before what their day like uh before they start out the yeah, day. Yeah, before they start out yeah. the day. They usually work out. And, you know, everyone can do that. Everyone can feel good before their day starts out. True. And... You just have you, to be willing to, like, put that effort in. Yup. That's awesome, bro. Bueno, Jose, I want to thank you so much for doing the podcast. Really appreciate it. This was, this was awesome. I know a lot of people are going to get a, a lot from it. And you have an open invitation, obviously, to come on in the future again definitely uh have you back on but there's any uh final words that you want to say uh i personally in my opinion i think uh anyone can achieve whatever they want if they stay working on it you fail you work on it you know uh 
And if you succeed, then work on something better because it was probably too light for you. So, um, and if you do succeed, then work on something else on on that same uh, that same realm. But we can always achieve whatever we we have our eyes on. Just focus. Nothing uh, deters us unless you let it deter you. Well said, man. Yeah. Thanks again, bro. Thank you, Much man. Appreciate I appreciate it, dude. That was awesome. It's amazing catching up with you, too. Likewise, bro. Thanks. And that's the episode, folks. How great was that conversation? A couple of points that that were my favorites that I just found fascinating was from the like firefighting section. The fact that part of their process when they go into the building and, you know, let's say there's smoke and fire everywhere, you can't really see shit, is... Like, everybody obviously knows their position. They, you know, the, you have the guy that has to go to the roof, the guy that has to get to the back of the building, the firefighters that are heading, like, into the building or the room. And one takes the left side and one takes the right side. And they have to keep their hands on the walls, you know, like, scale the room. That was just so, like, interesting to me. Just, like, from a tactical process perspective, I guess. Like, oh, that's how that works. But how fucking scary is that? Can you imagine, like, being in a situation like the one Jose was in where he was doing that but like literally couldn't see anything and you know his mask like fogged up and he didn't have the experience enough yet to know that there was like this mechanism button thing on the side that cleared up your mask that shit fucking gives me chills just thinking about it so again jose all the other firefighters out there thank you again for your service the other part that was my favorite came from the like golden gloves pursuit and it's about the dedication that it took from Jose to pursue his dream, the gumption and the stick to that it took to go through all the discouraging shit that he went through while fighting to make it out on the other side as a champion. It was just phenomenal. And that's a life lesson for all of us to take in and apply it to whatever our pursuits are, whatever our dreams and aspirations are. Stick to it. You want to be a writer? Keep writing. Find the time to write. Discipline yourself, set a schedule for yourself, show up every day and do the work. Know and anticipate the fact that you will have setbacks. You will have the opportunities to be discouraged to the point that you quit, but you can push through that. I mean, look, can you imagine, first of all, just being able to be a fighter or a contender within the Golden Gloves, hundreds and thousands of fighters doing the same thing. That's sick in and of itself. Like just being able to accomplish that, being the last guy, you know, the first guy that loses in, in the weight divisions or whatever. Like, that's a fucking accomplishment. Can you imagine going through that and being good enough, talented enough, trained enough, disciplined enough to make it through the ranks and then losing in the quarterfinals or semifinals, getting so close to that victory that you're chasing, having it within reach right there and then losing. And in some of those cases, losing because of, which is even more frustrating, just like the politics of boxing. And this person knows that person. Or that sponsor likes this fighter for whatever reason. The son of the vice president of the organization that you're fighting in is the person that you're fighting. And like bullshit things like that. That's like, fuck. How do you not get discouraged from that and say, fuck this, man. I'm not doing this shit anymore. Like that thing that it takes to say, nah, man, fuck that. I'm going to stick with this. I'm going to get what I want. Like that's a piece of motivation that each and every one of us should try and emulate in what it is that we do. And like Jose did lost five golden gloves straight then went to missouri do you guys know where the fuck missouri is in relation to new york it's far as fuck (laughs) 
go to Missouri and start fighting in that tournament with fighters from around the world just in pursuit of his goal. And then he breaks through on the other side and eventually accomplishes his goal and becomes a motherfucking Golden Gloves champion. That's amazing right there. Jose, congratulations. Thank you once again for sharing all those stories with us. You are officially Spun Today alumni, which is a prestigious title in and of itself. You know, maybe not as good as the Golden Gloves, but (laughs) you definitely have an open invitation to come back on the podcast anytime you want. I'll be looking forward to many more conversations to come. To the folks listening again, please follow Jose on Instagram at Dr. Fists. That's doctor spelled out. D-O-C-T-O-R-F-I-S-T-S. Dr. Fists. I'll link to it in the episode notes to make it easier for you folks. And also check out the, the webpage that I built out for this episode, which I will also link to in the episode notes and is located at spuntoday.com forward slash podcast forward slash 187. I got some pictures with me and Jose, pictures of us smoking the cigars, just like chopping it up, pictures of the the golden gloves chains that he has, both the gold and the, and the silver, along with some other links and relevant information. And that is it, folks. That is episode 187 of the Spun Today podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Please stick around so you can hear a bunch of different ways you can help support the Spun Today podcast if you so choose. Peace. What's up, folks? Tony here. I hope you're enjoying this podcast as much as I enjoy producing it for you. Here are a few quick ways you can help support this show. You can support the Spun Today podcast by going to spuntoday.com forward slash support. There you'll find my merch section where you can cop the iconic podcasts versus anybody t-shirt in a wide variety of different colors and all different sizes. Also, if you're into cycling, you can cop the super soft, comfortable, minimalist design Spun Today Bike Club t-shirt. Also available in a bunch of different colors and all different sizes. There are a few other designs of different types of t-shirts. Definitely go there and check it out. SpunToday.com forward slash support. It's the merch section where you can also get a dope coffee mug. I have coffee mugs with the brand new redesigned Spun Today logo on one side and the tagline that I end every show with on the other which is start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. The mug is available in both black and white because we don't discriminate here at the Spun Today podcast. Again, go to spuntoday.com forward slash support and check out the merch section. You can support the Spun Today podcast by checking out my writing. You can go to spuntoday.com forward slash free writing and check out some of my free association writing, which is intended to be some cathartic free writing, but oftentimes doubles down as motivation for myself and others. At spuntoday.com forward slash short stories, you can read a bunch of the different short stories that I've written and actually listen to the audiobook versions of those short stories there as well. Another way you can help support my writing is by going to spuntoday.com forward slash books and checking out what I have in store for sale. Digital copies are available in all formats, whether it be Kindle, iBooks, or a different type of e-reader. You can also purchase paperback copies if that's your preferred reading method. Currently available, I have my nonfiction, Make Way For You, which is a collection of freely written thoughts that were curated and put together as tips for getting out of your own way. Also available is my debut time travel novel titled Fractal. Again, go to spuntoday.com forward slash books to show your support. Support the Spun Today podcast 
by following me on social at Spun Today on Twitter, at Spun Today on Instagram. Please also check out and like my Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Spun Today, and subscribe to my YouTube page as well. On my YouTube page, not only will you get these full length episodes, but you'll also get to check out some chopped up clips and bonus content. To get to my YouTube page, just search Spun Today on YouTube or click on any of the YouTube icons on the footer of my website. Also, don't forget to rate and review this podcast wherever it is that you're listening. It really does help. The Spun Today newsletter is available to each and every one of my listeners absolutely for free. All you have to do is go to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe and drop in your email address. What I'm going to do is brighten up everybody's least favorite day of the week by delivering five curated things within my weekly newsletter every Monday at noon. You're going to receive a photo of the week, a recommended podcast of the week. I listen to tons of podcasts from an array of varied interests. I cherry pick the very best ones so that you can check them out. I also share a video of the week, which can be anything from a tasty recipe to a dope rap battle to an enlightening TED talk. I also share a quote of the week. And finally, for my fellow wordsmiths out there, a word of the week so that you can step up your vocab. Again, this curated list is yours absolutely free by going to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe and dropping in your email address and you can unsubscribe at any time. Again, go to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe, drop in your email address and you'll get the very next one. If you want to help support the Spun Today podcast financially, you can do so by going to spuntoday.com forward slash support. Here you'll find a few different ways that you can do so. You can shop on Amazon, but first go to my website, spuntoday.com forward slash support, click on the Amazon banner, which will take you to Amazon's website where you do your shopping like you normally do. It will not cost you anything extra, but I will get credit for driving traffic to their website. Another cool way that you can help support this show is through Patreon, where you can set up reoccurring donations to my podcast, whether it be $1 per show, $2 per show, etc. And depending on how much you choose to pledge, you will receive some Patreon perks in return. Things like free writing pieces, free bookmarks, free digital copies of my books, etc. Again, my Patreon link can be found at spuntoday.com forward slash support. You can also set up similar reoccurring payments via my Ko-fi page. And if you want to send a one-time happiness bomb donation, if you will, you can do so via my PayPal link. Again, all of which can be found at spuntoday.com forward slash support. If you're a fellow creative, a cool way that you can help support the Spun Today podcast and actually be part of the podcast is by filling out my five-question questionnaire located at spuntoday.com forward slash questionnaire. Here you'll find five open questions related to your craft, your art, what inspires you to create, what type of unrelated hobbies you're into, and what motivates you to get your work done. You can choose to remain anonymous or plug your website and your work. And once you submit your questionnaire, I read your responses on a future episode of the Spun Today podcast. It's completely free at no cost to you. And what I like to say about it is that if your responses could potentially spark inspiration in someone else, why not share that? spuntoday.com forward slash questionnaire. And as always, folks, substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. Thanks for listening.
I love you, Aiden. I love you, Daddy.